Hi, this is Adam Carolla. I want to thank you for supporting this podcast on the Corolla Digital Network. Everyone here at Corolla Digital is very proud of the shows that we put out every week and are excited about the future of our network. However, a patent troll is threatening that future by suing us. We need to fight back and beat the troll down. If we go down, all the other shows on the other networks you've grown to love are going to go down next. Visit fundanything.com forward slash patent troll to donate and find out other ways that you can help beat the patent trolls. Thank you and mahalo. This is Corolla Digital. Hey, you guys, it's me, Allison. I just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing, which, let's face it, you do, tell a friend. You can listen to us all sorts of places. A couple of them would be iTunes or AllisonRosen.com. This show is sponsored by NatureBox. Order great-tasting, healthy snacks right to your door. Forget the vending machine and get in shape for summer with healthy, delicious treats like everything bagel sticks. Support this podcast to get 50% off your first order. Go to naturebox.com slash allison. That's naturebox.com slash allison. Hello, my little breadcrumbs. It's me, Allison. Welcome to another exciting episode. And it is an exciting episode because the guest is Burt Kreischer, and you love him, and I love him. And he loves us, which makes it even better. So before the episode starts, I want to tell you guys about a few things, you know. I just want us to gab. Mother's Day is coming up. What are you going to get your mom? Also, I'll have you know, the year that I was born, Mother's Day and my birthday were the exact same day. So I like to think that I don't have to get my mom anything because uh, my existence is gift enough. She doesn't always feel that way, which I think is rude, which is why... I am going to get her something from Sherry's Berries. Mom, if you're listening, don't listen. Surprise! But you guys should do the same. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with Sherry's Berries because I talk about them all the time. And they've been a sponsor uh, for a a healthy amount of time now, uh, which is great because they are big, juicy, delicious strawberries dipped in chocolate. There's white chocolate, dark chocolate, milk chocolate, nuts, swizzle chocolate chips, all sorts of things. And they don't just have strawberries dipped in chocolate. They have other things dipped in chocolate. And they have, I've given all sorts of gifts from the website. Um, They have cheesecake, they have cake pops, they have pretzel sticks, they have all sorts of things. And they're all delicious. And whenever people order them at my suggestion, I always get tweets from people and photos saying how good they are. So they're good. Uh, But there's a special Mother's Day thing that you can get, which is and this is a one-day-only offer, a bouquet of flowers, and on the very next day, a freshly dipped strawberries, or a package of freshly dipped strawberries will be delivered. So that's two days of gifts, flowers and then strawberries from Sherry's Berries, and it's only thirty nine ninety nine. Your mom won't even see it coming because she'll be like, oh, thank you, how wonderful. And then the next day, oh, look at this! Don't you want your mom to have that reaction? I think you do. Or just order it for yourself. Maybe it's your birthday, too. Um Here's the only way to get this amazing Mother's Day deal. Visit berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com. Click on the microphone in the top right corner and type in best friend. That's berries.com, microphone, type in best friend. And the offer is good for today only. Pretty Okay, and if you have siblings, you want to outshine them. You just do. But it's not really about you. It's about your mom. It's also about berries and flowers. It's about all of it. Okay, so go to uh, B-E-R-R-I-E-S dot com, click on the microphone, and type in best friend. Do it. Hello, Gary. Hello, Allison. I believe we have an iTunes comment of the week, do we not? I believe you're right. 
Allison wants your iTunes comments. Allison wants them. Yes, she does. Please leave her some iTunes comments and don't forget to click five stars. This week's iTunes comment of the week comes to us from Amy, and it is titled, Hello, my little butter sandwiches. <laughs> on a Wednesday night a few weeks ago, my friend Rachel sent me a text with a link and said, listen to this on your commute, episode Daniel Quantz. She'd been trying to get you to listen to podcasts for more than a year, Adam Show, The Read, and others. I'd given them each a try, but hadn't gotten hooked yet. So I opened the link she sent me, Daniel, I mean you and Daniel, of course, won me over. I'm hooked. Listening to you and Daniel talk about how you met, dating, wedding planning, so real, so funny, so great. It's been a week. I know all the jingles. I catch myself humming them during the day. I urgently want to catch up on the past hundred episodes. FOMO. But I find things like work and sleep getting in the way. So, quick note to say thanks for ARIYMBF getting me hooked on podcasts. And I'm bummed it's only Wednesday, but I'll spend it making a dent on the past 84 episodes I need to catch up on. Later, Gator. Amy. Thank you so much. Okay, what's FOMO? I had to look it up. Well, tell me what it is. Wait, I want to guess. (laughs) Fuck. That's cheating. Well, you said fuck. Okay, FOMO. Fuck. Oh, my O. (laughs) Okay, what is it? Give me a hint. The O's are are opposites of each other. Okay. So both of the words that start with O have opposite meanings of each other, exact opposite meanings. Um, fuck on my off. Move. Fuck off, move on. Oh! Weird that I, I was joking when I guessed the off and on part, but I was right. You were right. Oh, I like that. Yeah. It's so sassy. Do people say FOMO? I, I sound like an 85-year-old, but I mean in like in life do they say it? I, I don't think people really say the abbreviations in life. I mean, people who say LOL L out need to kill themselves. That's true. In my humble opinion. Anyway, if you would like to leave us a nice iTunes comment of the week, leave us a comment. Otherwise, FOMO. FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And that brought me joy. You know what else brings me joy? Get ready. Nature Box. I've talked about Nature Box before uh, as well. Mostly because a box of delicious, healthy Nature Box treats arrived for me at the studio or so I was informed by, I think it was Chris who told me. And I was so excited. I was like, oh, good. When I finish recording, I'll go enjoy some delicious snacks. Things like everything bagel sticks, barbecue kettle kernels, South Pacific plantain chips, and other things. And then I went to look for this box of snacks, which was addressed to me. And where was it? It was not there. You know why? Because Adam snatched my box. And then he fed it to a bunch of dudes. It was pretty rude. I was like, hey, Adam, FOMO. But that's okay because I got more Nature Box. But anyway, what I'm saying is if you're going to order Nature Box, and I recommend that you do, make sure it's nowhere near Adam. Uh, You know you're trying to get in shape. Three o'clock strikes. What do you do? Don't go to the vending machine. I mean, the vending machine has good stuff in it, but it doesn't have healthy stuff in it. And you know what's good and healthy? Nature Box. Uh, Nature Box sends great tasting snacks right to your door. Zero trans fats, zero high fructose corn syrup, nothing artificial, and free shipping. So if you guys want to try Nature Box now, you get 50% off your first box by going to naturebox.com forward slash Allison, naturebox.com forward slash Allison. Okay, and just one more quick thing I want to tell you about before the episode, and that is this. Are you walking around with 
body hair that you don't want to be walking around with. I think Am you I? are. Well, you are, Gary. Yeah. I mean, you've got a... I your 5 o'clock shadow has a 6 o'clock shadow. Ow! Ow! <laughs> Where do I get this stuff? It's so good. But seriously, what's going on? You kind of have a bit of neck beard happening. I do. I, uh... Yeah. A couple weeks ago, um, one of my roommates looked up and said, Look! Your chest hair and your beard are the same thing. <laughs> and I had to find a mirror, but they were right, and I was very embarrassed. And that was when I grabbed my no-no. That's right. I hope you grabbed your no-no pro. You well, know, at the no-no... time, I didn't have it. Oh, but I now have you since do? since put in an order through AllisonRosen.com. Thank you very much. Um, you guys have heard me talk about no-no. No-no pro is no-no, but just supercharged. It is uh, 35% more powerful, and it's... But no-no worked well. And No No Pro also works well. So, it, so no, what am I saying? There's a lot of no's happening. I'm saying it's like having an awesome car and then getting one that's awesome and really fast. It's just better. It's not like the first one didn't work. Exactly. It's not like the first one wasn't awesome. It's no. just this is a new generation of no no. There you go. So it's 35% stronger, but also what they've done is there's this little. So basically, the way the no no works is it's a hair removal device about the size of a cell phone, completely portable. Uh, painless, and you glide it along your skin and it removes the hair. And there's this little panel that's in front of the the little uh, Thermacon thing that actually removes the hair. And it used to be opaque, but now it's clear so that when you are using the no-no, you can watch it work. It's kind of fascinating. Perhaps you're a fan of those purses that are totally clear, and when people carry them, you're like, I can see everything inside. This is like this, but it's a hair removal device. Um and you get a special travel case that comes with it. It's a very snazzy. Uh, I love my Nono, and I love my Nono Pro as well. There's up to five treatment levels to customize your treatment. You get weeks of long-lasting results. And um, I talked to Nono, and what they told me is that they've noticed that there's a trend where more and more men are using the Nono, for example, to prevent their neck hair from growing into their chest hair, a la rocking the Gary. Sorry. Hey. You can tell me to FOMO. I did it to myself. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, so anyway, I, in response to more and more men using the no-no and, and perhaps stealing their ladies' no-no, uh, I think that's that's part of what? I feel like that's a whole different thing whatsoever altogether. Stealing my ladies' no-no? I feel like that's something Chris would do while he was swimming. I don't even know what that means. Fishing. Sorry, fishing. <laughs> Thursday show people get that. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, though, so uh, if you're going to be using No-No on coarse or thick hair, definitely get the No-No Pro. Although I would recommend everyone get the No-No Pro because, as Gary was saying, it's just the No-No, but a little more awesome. Uh, and as I've told you guys before, I'm a big wimp and I am afraid of things that I think might hurt. So I was afraid to use No-No. Uh, and then the... Fear again with Nono Pro because I'm like, this is stronger. What if all of a sudden it hurts? But it, I again, I used it absolutely painless. You don't even feel it. Uh, Nono Pro works on all skin types, all hair colors, safe and effective for both men and women. So you guys can take advantage of a special exclusive offer for my listeners. That's you. Go to nonoprobestfriend.com, nonoprobestfriend.com, or call 800-336-1665, 800-336-1665. 
Again, that's nonoprobestfriend.com or 800-336-1665. Here's what you get in the offer. Uh, you get the Nono Pro device. You get an exclusive facial kit. You get a free gift card. You get a special snazzy travel case. And the entire purchase is backed by Nono's triple guarantee. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll refund the purchase price, refund the shipping, and even pay for you to ship it back to them. You don't risk a penny to try Nono Pro. So do it today. Call for details. Terms and conditions may apply. Okay. Here is the episode with Burt Kreischer. I bet he knows what FOMO means. Don't you think, Gary? I feel like he's... Um, Wouldn't surprise me. He's, 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 hip, he's hipper than we are. He's youthful. He is. He's exuberant. I love his laugh. He's delightful. He's delightful. Yeah, we love him. Uh, anyway, here's the episode. I love you guys. Here we go. I loved it. Did you just point like, you're on? He did. That was the voice of comedian Burt Kreischer, my guest today. Hey, everyone. Hi, hello. It's me, Allison, and welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. Burt has been on the show before, and I have been on his show, uh, and he has a book coming out. And I've brought you up. Oh, wait. Why am I stepping on my own plug? I'm sorry. Keep going. And he has a book coming out (laughs) in a couple months. Tell me, it's I, it's I know Manchild is in it, but tell me the title. Life of the Party, uh, Stories from a Perpetual Manchild. I didn't really name it, to be honest with you. Really? Yeah, isn't that weird? Uh, uh, <laughs> it, uh, but writing a book is so, by the way, we're about to open a can of worms. Oh, be- good. Because because I there are very few people I can be very, very honest with. And for some reason, when I did your podcast the first time, I established a friendship with you that I don't with everyone. That makes me feel special. I don't I have int- I have intimacy issues and I have a social anxiety disorder. I didn't realize that. I remember being diagnosed a long time ago and I didn't believe him. I was like, "Yeah, you're out of your fucking mind." I'm a comedian. I do this right. all the time. You're life of the party guy, right? With the machine. It's I'm hiding behind something. Of course. <laughs> so, so obvious. But what happens is when you write a book, you uh, not not to say like I know anything, but I have written a book and I know the f- process. First of all, it's extre- you're v- extremely vulnerable. You're really vulnerable. And then you start – and that, that process is really eye-opening. It made me realize a lot of stories that I wrote in the book that they didn't put in, I realized defined me. Mm-hmm. Like really, I found out, holy shit, this is who I am and this is why I am that person. Here's what happens. Secondly, then you have to promote that book. You have to promote something that made you extremely vulnerable despite the fact that it's funny, lighthearted, very revealing about all my friends and all the things that have gone on in my life. You have to then go promote that to people, and then you sound like this like uh, uh, person who lacks hubris, you know, like uh, like who lacks uh, humility. Like you just sound like this self promoting ass. So it's so interesting um, this process that I've gone through that I don't that I feel comfortable talking to you about, but I'm really nervous about like say like the week before the book when you go to New York and you do like straight up press mm-hmm. you know like i'm comfortable talking about it on podcasts but i don't know like a radio show where they don't have the there's this moment can never happen cuz they're going to a break right they're they, not they they're not really connecting with what you're saying they're just like letting you speak and then it's their turn yeah and i know that game i've i've done that game before and i've done promotion for a lot of things and it does empty you out it it mm-hmm. va- it, it it vacuums out all the stuff that is maybe genuine, and you become this sizzle reel. You be, you realize the things that work, and you say quickly, and you, and it just is fucking ter- terrifying. 
But you're more nervous about it specifically regarding the book than other things you've done? Yeah, because I don't have – in all honesty, and I, and I, I say this candidly, I have a, a, a deep connection with my, the work I do on Travel Channel. However, I am promoting a product that uh, 100 people worked on. So I am the voice for 100 people, and I'm comfortable with that because I believe all their hard work should be represented. Mm-hmm. This is the voice of just me. So it is me going, guys, listen to me. Uh, me, like, me sounds like something I say all the time. And it was causing, like, anxiety attacks. Like, I was waking up at 4 in the morning just, like, really going, like, what did I do? Like, I, and, th- and then saying, what will I do after this? Like, these are all my great stories. <laughs> I thought Will Smith was going to fuck me in the ass. I thought uh, I, ran, I robbed a train with the Russian mafia. Um, I, I smoked drugs with uh, alleged celebrities. Um, like, I, 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 these are all my great stories. And, and it... And then I go, wow, that's everything on paper. Now what do I do? Now I got to go back to writing or exploring something new about myself. It 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 really is. I'm not selling the book very well right now. It's a good book, but no, you are to actually, you to I'm you. Like, Will Smith almost fucked you in the ass. I didn't know that story. Oh, it's a good story. He didn't. He didn't almost fuck me in the ass. See, that's the other thing. That's the other thing I do. Can I tell you something that yes, I'm learning please. about myself? I sizzled down whatever it is into the soundbite that gets. It's something that you do naturally in this business. That That's gets a your, good skill to have. Yeah, but then you start feeling like a liar. Like what I just told you when I thought Will Smith wanted to fuck me in the ass, you've already written a story in your head of what that story is, but it's not the story, and it's not fair to Will Smith. Well, how close did he get to your ass? Listen, <laughs> here's I'll tell you the story. I'll tell you the story. It's a really, it is a really good story. When I was young, like uh, six months into stand-up, Will Smith discovered me. His, once again, I'm doing it. I'm doing it right now. It's it's sizzling it down to what is in, essentially a lie, but it is how I tell a story. I'll and I'll and only because I I only because only because I'm in this moment I'm telling you what happened. Will Smith's people discovered me. Will Smith didn't come into a club, walk into a club, and go. That's the guy. His people did. Yeah, but but in fairness to you, I don't feel like that's a huge distortion. The original way you said it, exactly, and and I believe that too. But then, but I'm in show business too, right? So and, I'm infected with it also. And, and 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 in a weird way, we're both infected with it. Maybe the person that say lives in uh, like um, I'm going to try to guess where you. I bet your numbers are huge in Texas. Huge. I bet they are, and I bet the person that lives in Texas when they hear that, and I haven't lied, I haven't lied. No. But when they hear that, they go, "Will Smith, you know this? Will Smith walked into a club." saw Bird on stage and went, that's the fucking guy. But that's not what I said, but it is what I said. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. His people discovered me. They said to me, listen, we'll, we're looking for people to do de- uh, development deals with. For those of you who don't know, development deal is like a big six-figure check that is that you means you don't have to do anything for a fucking year. <laughs> it is the, a so gift. Is it a holding deal? A development deal they, is a holding deal, plus they write a pilot about you. And then at the end of December, they decide what pilots they're going to make, and yours is in the mix. A holding deal is just like, hey, we want you as an actor. We're not going to develop around you. Development deal is a holding deal, plus we're going to develop around you. Mm-hmm. So it's a gift. It's a gift, especially six months in. I was working the door at the Boston Comedy Club making $25 a night. It was a gift. And I was like, holy shit. And they're like, we want to introduce you to Will. If Will likes you, then we'll do the deal. But if he doesn't like you, it may not happen. So I'm like, okay, I got to be on. I got to get this Did guy. Did they give to- you any tips for how to make him like you? Oh, my God. Can I tell you the one tip they gave me? Yes, please. How to shake hands with a black man. (laughs) I swear to you, on my children, on my children's lives, 
Oh my god, I can't believe I didn't write that in the fucking book. There's your next book. God, a story oh, in your next book. <laughs> the story in the next book is the companion PS. piece to Life of the Party, and it's like, right. oh, page eighty-seven. I have a footnote. It's the reader, Life he, of the Party reader. They told me they're like, listen, don't just so you don't get lost. Sometimes they're gonna grab your hand, they're gonna pull you and give you a hug. Now, sometimes they're gonna smack back and forth, <laughs> and then they're gonna snap. And you and I was like, dude, I think I can, I think I can handle shaking hands with a black dude. Uh-huh. So uh, I go in. I said. I said the lady up, uh, the, we went to the Hit Factory. I don't even know the name. But I think that's the name of it. Hit Factory up on the Upper West Side where he was doing Willennium. This is, by the way, he's the biggest movie star in the world at this time. Um, we, I go in and they go, oh, welcome, Mr. Kreischer. They have this big dance studio, like, like old school, big. Like in New York, big. Mirrors everywhere on every wall with that dancing bar around it. And in the dead center of the room are two folding chairs facing each other like it's a summit, like it's – I don't even. I wish I was smarter. I'd say a Russian name you and Nixon. Say I know. Oh, fuck, fuck. <laughs> the famous Nixon Barishnikov summit. What the fuck was that? Okay. Okay. God. Yes. Yeah. God damn it! What the fuck's wrong with me? So I wish I was smarter. I wish I was smarter. <laughs> it sounded good. It did, didn't it? Uh-huh. So, uh, so I go in. They go take a seat. Mr. Smith will be in a second. I take the seat with my back facing the door. I thought he was going to come in the other door. He came in the other door. He came in. My back is facing him. And the second he walks in, just a hurricane of personality i mean literally like like just like oh and and i remember all i remember from what he said was he gave me the the black handshake where you put your elbow against the guy's chest and then hug them so you're distance but you're hugging Mm -hmm. and all i remember him saying was one love that was it and (laughs) and i was on i was like i was like i grew up in tampa i love hip-hop i love you i remember listening to the first time parents don't understand i was in i was in philly my cousins are philly my mom's from philly i love black people you're black i love jada jada's black do you know tupac who killed biggie i shouldn't have said that like i literally rattled off because i'm a huge hip-hop fan and i rattled off everything that a real hip-hop fan would talk about i complimented him on his best song that i believed he wrote lyrically which is uh, nightmare on my street and he lit up and he and i as i said that and this is an hour into the conversation he goes i like you and i was like i like you <laughs> and he's like he's like what are you doing tonight and i go nothing and he's like let's go to the movies i was like let's go and i and then he goes all right i'll see you at the movies at planet hollywood at seven and i was like okay and then i walked out and it was it it was over and i was like did i get the deal or what happened i guess i gotta go to the movies with him now mm-hmm. So I, I get on, I get out of the thing, I get into a cab, I call my dad on that old Nokia. I love small details in a story, by the way. I love small details. Remember that old Nokia that was yes. like a little brick? Uh-huh. And I call my dad, and if you talk too long enough, your ear would get warm, and you know that gave you cancer. <laughs> and so I call my dad, and I go, my dad's a regular dude, okay? He is a dad, his dad died at 13, he taught himself how to shave kind of guy. I, he, I called him the other day, I told him I had a bad dream. He goes, you still dream? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I dream. You don't dream? He's like, no, I don't dream. I'm a fucking man. He goes, what do you dream about? Ponies and shit? I was like, wow. sometimes. So um, call my dad. I go, dad. He goes, how did it go? I go, awesome. He goes, really? I go, yeah. He goes, how so? I go, dad, we're going to the movies. And he's like, what? <laughs> I go, we're going to the movies. He goes, what do you mean? I said, he asked. He really liked me and he wants to go to the movies. He goes, oh, buddy. I'm sorry. And I'm like, what? And he goes, I, th- I think he wants to queer you. I go, I go, what are you talking about? And he goes, listen, here's the deal. Some of these Hollywood stars are really closeted homosexuals. So what they'll do is they'll find young talent like yourself. They'll offer dreams of stardom, a pilot, and a development deal. They'll dangle that in front of you. And the whole while, they'll be taking your clothes off. And then they're going to make you suck and fuck them. And I was like, 
I go, Dad, that's impossible. He goes, really? I go, yeah, I just sat for an hour in a dance studio with the guy. He's like, where? I go, never mind. He goes, where are you going to the movies? I go, Planet Hollywood. He goes, buddy, they don't have a, you think they have a movie theater at Planet? You think a celebrity wants to go to Planet Hollywood? You're getting fucked, man. And I was like, oh my God. And he goes, I go, that's impossible. It's Will Smith, Dad. And he says to me, I'll never forget it. He goes, what's more possible? The fact that you're so talented that within six months of doing stand-up comedy, the biggest movie star in the entire world wants to make a sitcom specifically about your life or that he's gay and he wants to fuck you in the ass. I'm like, oh, my God, what do I do? I was like, I'm getting fucked. And he was like, you show up. I go, what? He goes, you shouldn't cash checks, buddy. You show up. He goes, you go there. And listen, I could be right. I could be wrong. I don't know. What I'm telling you, though, is – I don't want you to go there and not know that this is a possibility. You don't I want you to go there with your dick in your hand and go like, oh, what, you know, what am I going to do? He goes, you go in and you know this is a possibility. And if that happens, you leave. But I just want to warn you. So I go, okay. So I go. I dress frumpy. I wore like overalls. I go to the Planet Hollywood. To I, put him off of being attracted to you? Yeah. You know, like overalls, but I had a sweater on top of them. <laughs> I swear to God, that was a Secret cool look. Secret overalls. It was comfy jeans. And so <laughs> so I go in and I go I go up to the lady up front. I go, is Will Smith here? She's like, in the back. I go, what? I go back. It's a fucking mannequin of Will Smith. And I go, no, no, not. Like, <laughs> I mean the real person. And she goes, no, sir. I go, I'm supposed to see a movie here with him? She goes, we don't have a movie theater. I go, you sure? And she goes, yeah. And I know for a fact that movie stars don't come and hang out at Planet Hollywood. She said that? I swear to God. <laughs> and then it's made sense. I'm like, what movie star goes to Planet Hollywood? Yeah. How weird does your ego have to be to go to Planet Hollywood to hang out? <laughs> so I I go, can I wait for me? She's like, knock yourself out. So I, <laughs> I sit down in the, like, the lobby and for like five minutes. And then all of a sudden, out of a door I did not notice on my left, off of a stairwell, a six foot five, 350-pound black dude named Charlie Mack. He's a real dude. Sticks his head out, looks in, and goes, you Bert? I was like, yeah. And he goes, oh, downstairs. Now I'm thinking, I got to fuck this guy too, right? <laughs> this is going to be a long night. Will Smith plus him. I go downstairs. It is a room. I swear to you, all my children, as big as this room with a black red curtain or a velvet red curtain surrounding the entire room and a folding table in the center. And around the folding table are nine other black dudes there is now i'm thinking i gotta fuck these guys mm-hmm. i gotta fuck charlie mack will smith i'm serious bringing jazzy jeff that's 12 <laughs> black dudes i gotta fuck that's gonna be a long night that is at least a yard of co- and so i'm i'm taking i'm taking this all in and i walk in and i just post up i don't make eye contact with anyone that is a specific white man activity where we don't make eye contact with black dudes we just kind of look down and uh and all of a sudden will smith rolls in with I swear to God, Jazzy Jeff. I swear to God, wow. Jazzy Jeff was, I swear, all my children, Jazzy Jeff's with him. And he walks in and looks right at me and looks at the guys. He goes, hey, guys, that's Bert. And everyone lights up and they all start smiling and walking right over to me. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is how it happens. <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, do I st- suck their dicks or do I let, like, how am I going to do this? <laughs> I'm about to grab a knee when the curtain behind me opens. And a beautiful private movie theater is directly behind me. And everyone just goes and grabs a couch cushion or a seat or these lo- – and Will looks at me and he goes, I'm going to go get two drinks. You like uh, – uh, uh, what's the – New uh, Long Island iced teas? I go, yeah. And he goes, I'll grab two drinks. Grab two seats. Grab the ones in the middle. And, and if she comes by, get a shrimp. And I was like, okay. So I sat down and I was like, oh, this is really fucking happening. And he came down and we sat and we watched American Pie. 
and we watched the whole movie. And, and at the time, I was trying to get a deal, so I didn't know when to laugh because I, I liked the movie. It was funny, but I didn't know when I should laugh for him to think right. I had a good comic sensibility. <laughs> so it was a nerve-wracking fucking movie. There's nothing more – the only thing's more nervous is watching a friend's pilot and, then not, and waiting to find out when they laugh to know when you laugh. So we get done the movie, and he says to me, uh, what would you think? I said, I thought it was great. And now I'm totally relaxed. I've had a couple drinks. And he goes, no, what did you think of the room? I said, it's, it's beautiful. And he goes, no, 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 the people in the room. I go, what about them? And he goes, you didn't rec- notice? I go, no. And he goes, man, you told me in the da- at the studio that you liked hip-hop. So this is all the hit stars of hip-hop. That's Biz Marquis. That's Cool Mo D. That's Big Daddy Kane. He had called them all and said, I have this guy who's a hip-hop fan. Will you come down and see a movie with us so he can meet his heroes? And I'm like, I could have fucked Big Daddy Kane. <laughs> it was the greatest, sweetest thing he could have ever done in the entire world. I'm, here I am the whole time thinking he wants to fuck me in the ass because right. my dad's in my head. And I was like, are you shitting me? So the rest of the night, I just got drinks and just asked him every question I could ever fucking ask anybody. And I'm like, oh my God. And then, of course, I geeked out. It's like I played it, should have played it cool and not done a thing. But it was like, and so, yeah. Yeah, that's one of the stories in the book, but but here's where the vulnerability comes in, is what when Will hears that, Bert, uh, Bert Kreischer thought you wanted to fuck him in the ass? You know he's not going to read the book. He's just going to hear that and go, God, man, everyone always says I'm gay. Like, And I, tr- I, I spent a year with this guy. Years, I, I, I'm not, I've got a pretty good gaydar. I got the closeted gaydar down, mm-hmm. and Will does not have it at all. I don't, my dad never even met him, but that, but... You sell a book by telling that story, but then you read the story. It's a good story, but what's the you know like that's what's the repercussion? Is Will going to read that and get offended and then go fuck that guy? You know, mm-hmm. or or will he laugh and go, oh yeah, that did happen? You know, and that's one of the things you're worried about. That's one of the things, one of the many. You know, I think like it's like you're very, like I talk about my friends in the book. Like I talk about being a fraternity. And I, I did shit on a pizza box to win an election one time. And I talk about being an fraternity and what that experience was like. And I talk about racism in fraternities very candidly. I'm not, mm. I'm not, I don't really hold back at all. I talk about drug use and, 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 and kind of like male, what is immature male camaraderie. And I'm very honest about it, but I use my friends' names because they were the, the people that were with me. So in my head, whereas I don't say any of them were technically racist, I do kind of implicate anyone that was associated with anyone in that group, you know? So I worry about that. I, I, I write about my fucking kids and my wife. I, I wrote it not thinking anyone would ever fucking read it, knowing someone would read it, but mm-hmm. just going like, eh, whatever. But So that's what's keeping me up at night. Was there, like at the beginning, did you have trouble writing any of the stories because you were worried and then you got past that? Or no. from the beginning, you're just like, it just poured out of you? It just poured out. It just completely poured out. Like I, like... Uh, I got to a place where, like, literally, I would just say to my, I would say there was like there were like four stories that they didn't want. There's one about when I went to Raleigh Massimino basketball camp and Ralph Sampson picked me out of a group because what happened was, what happened was, he, he this story really defines me by the way as a, as a man. At, I was in eighth grade, okay, and he l- looked around. Think two kids had gotten busted drinking the night before. The, the best basketball players. And I got a concussion the night before, so I had to sit out. So for the next day, me and the two kids that got busted had to sit out for the entire day. And everyone kind of looked at me like, oh, shit, he was with them? They were in, like, high school. I was in eighth grade. I was like, I didn't even have, like, hair on my balls yet. and and I, But everyone was kind of looking at us. And then Ralph Sampson came, and he was like, he came out in front of 5,000 kids, and he's seven foot tall. He's, like, played for the Rockets at the time. He was an all-star 
like up and down. We all knew who he was, and he comes up. His first words are like, "All right, I'm here to talk about two things. I'm here to talk about uh, basketball and discipline. Let's start with discipline." And he's like, "Oh, who in here parties?" And I was under the impression we were all going to put our hands up. But it was just me. I was just like, whoomph. <laughs> and he's like, oh, it looks like we got a party animal over here. And I was like, oh, fuck, no one else put their hands up? And then he was like, how do you party, party animal? Now, I'm eighth grade. I don't know a thing about partying at all. I never partied. So my only answer I had to give him to not look like I was a liar was <laughs> hearty. <laughs> so he's like, what did you say? I said, I party hardy, sir. And, but mind you, I'd never partied at all. And then he said, he brings me up. He puts a basketball on my arms and holds them there. And then one behind my knees. Like, so I'm, I'm sitting like, uh, like, like I'm squatting, holding the basketball mm-hmm. behind my legs. And then I have one with my arms extended in front of me. Like I'm a, like I'm sleepwalking and on my hands. And then he starts lecturing and he's like, oh, let's cut back to the party animal. And he's like, party animal, how do you party hardy? I didn't have an answer. I don't know. I'd never had anything in my entire life. And I said, with both hands, sir. And he fucking lost it. Within fucking a minute and a half, he has no control over 5,000 kids. They are slapping the gym floor. And I'm, I'm in my head, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm killing. Now, the story's a lot longer, and I'll save you from the story. But ultimately, I thought that story defined me. And my editor just like, eh, I don't know. I don't see it. And then uh, another one about um, to find you because it was the first time you because I also had social anxiety at that time mm-hmm. and I was and I and I was in Philadelphia and I didn't know any of those kids and so um, and so I like when I got done I and mean, I was up there for like an hour and he was I mean he just kept coming back to me like you think you'll ever drink another beer and I I was mind you I'm fucking thirteen and I was like probably because I was thinking yeah when I'm a grown up I will yeah. like and so at the end I got done and and I, I was walking through. Uh, Villanova campus and kids were coming. I remember Dr. J's son went was there and he was like the coolest kid there and he was the best basketball player. And I remember he, he was with a big group of black kids and they came up and they were like, "We were like, what's up, party animal?" <laughs> and I was like, "Nothing." And I felt cool as shit. It and does it, seem like a, a story that def- would define you since yeah. you were, you know, national party animal. I told the st- I wrote the story flying dildos in there that didn't make it. I wrote the story about working out in Barnes and Noble in my underwear that didn't make it. Um, I wrote a bunch of stories that didn't make it, but then what he liked was stories that people had never heard. Like the time me and my buddy Eddie uh, like took over a town in Pennsylvania, kind of. It's it's a I'm, I'm making that sound bigger than it really is, mm-hmm. but it, not really. It, oddly enough, um, are you worried about see- being seen as a fabulist or as someone who exaggerates or something? Because I've noticed since you've come in, you you're very careful to let me know when you're distorting things. Uh, that's recent. That's recent because. Um, Well, yeah, I think everyone exaggerates every story because it's their own narrative. Like, if I tell you anything, if I tell you about my ride here, I'm not actually going to tell. I'm going to tell you about the 134 and 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 the people hanging out. Like, I'm not. It's your own narrative, and I don't. I I never lie in a story. I'm very always married to the truth, and I think that's kind of hurt me a tad bit because whereas maybe someone, so like, if you if my buddy Tom Segura has a really great story, a really great story about finding a guy's license. When he first told me the story, in my head, I knew I could tell that on stage in a heartbeat. Now, I don't have that right as a comic. You don't have that right to do someone else's material, especially if it's your friend. you got to help them get that up and running. And I tried for so long, and he struggled with the story, and he struggled. But because I have no attachment to the truth of his story, mm-hmm. I could tell it in a heartbeat. Now, when it's your story, that's why it took me so long to get the machine, the story about robbing the train with the Russian mafia, it took so long to get it on stage because I was so married to the truth. That I didn't want to lose any part of the truth because, you know, in this day and age, I cannot be a modern Mark Twain. I can't just start telling stories 
because th- there's the fucking internet. People fact check that shit. I mean, you can go if, if you're interested in in the in the in the. I wish there was a big word for truth. What's that word? Veracity. I, I was going to say that, but I thought it meant uh, was only for boxers. Nope. Uh, it's for truth. If you're interested, this is a really interesting little experiment. Uh, if you're interested in the veracity of the machine story, and if you don't know the machine story, when I was 22, I got involved with the Russian mafia and we robbed a train. You can go on my Facebook because that's the way the fucking world works <laughs> now. And, 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 and I'm so glad I stayed close to the truth on that story. You can go on my Facebook and you can actually see pictures of the kids that were on the trip with me. I mean, Kristen Hodgson Hodgson is one of the people that was, I don't want me to, like, maybe, I, I mean, yeah, I didn't say her name right. She was on the trip with me. I don't know who that is. Some girl that was on my trip. Okay. She saw the machine video, uh, posted on my wall on Facebook, and was like, I was on this trip. The story is 100% true. You, that's the way you've got to be these days. Uh, but and, and, and I am like that when I tell a story. Uh, but at the same time, I don't, maybe I'm a little too honest. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And you think that that holds you back? No, I think it's going to, I think, oh, you think it's gonna people are going to get, get people, upset. Right. It's like, I don't, maybe I shouldn't have, uh, like in that Will Smith story, there's not, there's not an iota of fabrication in it at all. Mm-hmm. And, and, and with the machine story in the book, in the book, there is no fabrication. I mean, there is like when I tell it on stage, I pull I like when I tell the story on stage, I pull a dude's name out of it because I don't want him because he's a grown up. I don't know if he wants to know people to know he robbed a train, but he was with me, and it's in the book. It's totally in the book. So yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. Like Adam, I remember him once saying uh, that he just imagines when he's talking that the microphone cord, you know, goes out of the microphone down to the floor and back up his ass and that or no no the microphone. I totally fucked up that story. The point point <laughs> being that no one's listening. He just that's that's how he is yeah. able to say whatever the fuck he wants about everyone cuz he just uh you know acts or believe or you know has made the choice that he's going to conduct his show and his you know what he says on stage is as if no one's listening it's a great way to it's a great it's called i call it being untethered Mm -hmm. when you don't give a fuck it is the most beautiful thing and i don't give a fuck for the majority of my life and i wrote this book not giving a fuck and then it then you see it in print and what this is what started it okay this is what really started it is um i was I i wish i had my book and i'd read it verbatim and but i have a story about my buddy eddie whose name i use Full, I use his full, full fucking name. Like, I didn't even think about it. I just wrote it. My buddy, you're going to read it, Eddie Fernandez, okay? He is the most creative, hilarious individual you will ever fucking meet. And I think in the book I go, Eddie is the funniest human being I've ever been around in my entire life. Not the kind of, like, smart, smarmy funny that puts over hipsters, but the kind of funny that makes Navy SEALs spit beer out of their nose. <laughs> that is who he is. Now, some people say that. Some people also say he's bipolar and he's uh, manic depressive, and he's he's out of his fucking mind. My wife's that person. Eddie was sitting in my man cave, and I and I was excited, and I was like, "Dude, I wrote about a whole chapter about that time we went to Pennsylvania, and we took." It. And he goes, "Shut up!" And I said, "Yeah." I said, "I got the book right here," and I opened it, and I just saw manic depressive, and I was like, "Okay, Eddie would be really pissed if he read that." And I was like, "Oh, that's going to everyone. Like everyone's gonna read that." And whereas I defend it because he's my friend, like Eddie may be like, "Hey, man." You know, and, and and I love Eddie. I've known him for a long time, and I pray to God that he reads it and goes, I understand what you're saying about me, and I understand that you're not actually diagnosing me as manic depressive, but that your wife doesn't like me. And my wife does not like him. She didn't want him at our wedding. <laughs> but, like, like, that's when it started, and I went, oh, shit, man. Like, I didn't write this thinking anyone would read it. Yeah. I know. I yes. Can I ask a question? Shoot. I'm sorry. 
in terms of like your editor, are they not are there not legal concerns that you're? It sounds like you're talking about this. Like Eddie has no idea that this story is necessarily coming out. I I know from some of the other books I've been tangentially involved with that there's lawyers and stuff. Like how? No, yeah, yeah, no. There's totally lawyers, but it's it's all people like legal things. There's a million Eddie Fernandez's. Yeah. So like like so for instance, I have a story about when on our on our uh, on our honeymoon we ran into these people in the mafia. Uh, their names were Danny and Dawn. Now those names are so coverall that you can use them. Now when you start to describe that person, for instance, Danny had distinguishing tattoos that I described. You got to pull those out because then you can okay. find out who Danny is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So right, like and, my, and as far as my buddy Eddie, it's like I, I, Eddie Fernand Eddie Fernandez is one of my best friends. I've known him for over twenty years and. And he is going to enjoy this story. The he's going to enjoy the the mass of this story more than he will that one subtle detail. Mm-hmm. But uh, but like as soon as I read it, I went, "Oh shit!" And then you go back and through and read it, and you're like, "Oh fucker, the I, fuck." See, I and I I'm like biting my tongue almost and even saying anything. I recently had a thing where um, a lot of people close to me got really, really, really fucking upset about a podcast that I had recorded where I was talking about having been hurt by their actions um and basically they and and my my first reaction was like oh you've oh you've got to be fucking kidding me like i you guys i I, you fucked me and now you're pissed that i talked about it that's a that's totally a uh a distortion of what really happened but i'm saying that was the emotion like you gotta Mm -hmm. be kidding me but then it was like basically they just felt like i had shit talked them and i had said like and you know in this you know, I regard them this way, but this person feels this way about them and she's probably right. And it's like, you know, I, I really didn't even think about the fact that, yes, I'm revealing what someone told me in confidence <laughs> to the, my listeners and to the other people. Here yeah. I am talking about a whole bunch of people's private feelings about each other. And I just was in such a state of, of just being upset about what had happened that I just like, blah, 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 you know, just because that's. The way I deal with things that bother me is I either write about them or I talk about them, and that's kind of yeah. just my way. But I feel like should I have like a hazard warning on me for anyone coming close to me? No, it's it, and 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 here's now now I'm answering my question about me to you, but that's what makes you beautiful. Thank you. Like that is the thing that I like about you. You say things. I'm, I I won't tell you what you said only because I don't know if you like the last thing I want to do is go. You said something on my podcast one time that was so fucking revealing and so honest and so fu- like so like came out and I was like I don't even think she I and I'm sure you've said it elsewhere but I was like I was like god damn it that's that's why I like you like that's because I'm that guy like I would like do you, do you think anyone would ever come on and talk about a book like talking the way I'm talking no no usually you, not <laughs> yeah they, they come on and they're like it's great I did this this and this it's such a fun read hey pre-order it my book is going to be a definite fun read but you're gonna read it and you're gonna be like, holy shit! This guy really, like, did not edit a fucking thing. Like, I didn't edit at all. Like, so <clears throat> it's gonna be it's it's gonna be great. And illegally, it's been checked out by my lawyers. I'm totally fine. And and I also cover things a lot fairer than I ever would have. And there are times where I was like, like I have a story that's fairly famous that I wrote about, and I was very fair about it because I had to be true about it. 
I had to be true about the moment and what happened. And in that moment, I thought this, but in the realization, I realized it wasn't that. So, um, but it's, you know, and pre-order it. Pre-orders are really important. That's what I got to say. Where can people go to pre-order it? You go to BurtBurt.com. You can get it at Amazon. Oh, you if, can you're get going it. To, if you're going to Amazon, click through the banner on my website, AllisonRosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it helps out the show, and it helps out Bert. Yeah. So go to Amazon.com. You can go to BarnesandNoble.com. You can get it on your Nook, pre-order on your Kindle. The pre-orders are really important, and I say this. I hope to God that you're like, I hope to God this has inspired you to go, God damn it, I kind of want to read this book now, But because there are good stories, and I'm a comedian. That is my goal is to make you laugh. But uh, but they're very honest and they're very fun and and uh, but the pre-orders are important because a pre-order determines how well a book does overall. Oh really? Uh, yeah. The, so so Jen, you know Jen Kirkman? Yes, I do. We had her on the show. Jen Kirkman's amazing, and she pulled me aside. She goes, "I don't give a fuck if people unfollow you on Twitter and they tell you that you're a self-promoting whore." She goes, "This is your opportunity. You promote the shit out of this book because the pre-orders. If you sell a certain amount of pre-orders, then your book gets on the bestseller list. And if it gets on the bestseller list, I didn't realize that." It was all pre-orders. All pre-orders. Wow. It's all based on pre-orders. It's it's. Trust me, when the new uh, James Mishner, he's dead. Um, <laughs> and I was going to say Ayn Rand. Um, I was going to say Ann Rand, but uh, I'm trying to think of uh, Mitchum. Who's the fucking author right now that I'm th- that I can think Adam of? Adam Carolla. Okay. So when the oh, new- you're so on the team. Does he have a book coming out? <laughs> yeah, he does. When's it coming out? Uh, May thirteenth. It's oh, called President Me, the America that's in my head. Thank God. I hope to God that mine is nowhere. Mine's May. Tw- mine's May twenty fifth. So like, hopefully, he'll hopefully all his pre sales will be up, and then they'll start doing like store sales. Uh-huh. But uh, but and hopefully all the attention to him drives podcast people to buy books. So um, and hopefully you click on his and you're like, oh, you like that? Maybe you like this. Yeah. But um, so Adam Carolla's book comes out May thirteenth. So he's probably pu- – I don't know if he's pushing. He may not need to. Oh, no, he is. He's pushing you yeah. to pre-order his book. The reason you pre-order his book is when you do, that, that's the higher it gets. Now, because books are not what they used to be, because bookstores aren't what they used to be, people look at your pre-sales and decide how many they'll put in their stores nationally. So let's say you sell – Adam. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ballpark it. Adam, Adam will probably sell 100,000 pre-orders, 100,000 pre-ordered books. I'm going to guess. I think more than that actually, right? I, you know, I wouldn't know. 100,000 is a, a good thing. That seems a lot. healthy. That's a, yeah. that's, a, that's a lot. No, I know. For, for a second, I was thinking about listener numbers, which is, anyway. No, it's, gotcha. but, yeah. it's, it's, he's going to, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, 100,000 is a lot for yeah, books. I, I would think so. I think, you know, I don't know, though. Adam had the best selling book for a long time. So, uh, so let's, let's just ballpark it to 200,000 books, just to be fair. So we'll double whatever we thought was low. At 200,000 books, he's also competing against, you know, like, the people who don't have uh, entertainment backgrounds and are straight up writers mm-hmm. that do write amazing fucking books, and those books, you know, get pre-ordered also by the the literate, and so his pre-sale numbers will determine how high he goes up on the list. Now, if he goes to number one, which he probably will go to number one, all, all that does is everyone that goes, I'm an Adam Carolla fan, goes, oh shit, he's got a new book out. That's that's exactly what that does, and what it also does is the Barnes and Noble looks at it and goes, "Well, holy shit!" Now, now Adam's a l- little different of a of an animal because he already had the world's number one's best selling book for like fucking fifty weeks or something, mm. so he's already kind of in a little bit. I'm just using him as an example for me, and based on his pre orders, they'll throw that up and and say, "Well, he sold two hundred thousand. Well, let's get." Two million and put them in our stores worldwide. Let's get five million and put them in our stores worldwide. Oh, do the book sales is that based on how many the stores buy as opposed to the yeah. individual customer buys? Yeah, the books, the, the book, the 
Barnes & Noble decides how many to put in their stores. Target decides how many to put in their stores based on your pre-orders. So if you don't pre-order shit, they don't put it in the stores. All right, everyone. Go out and pre-order that book. Yeah, Burt Kreischer's book. <laughs> or Adams. <laughs> you know what? Buy both. Buy both. I tell you what, I, and I promise you this. If you say, that, if you show me a receipt to Adam's book or my, no, Adam's book and my book. If you say I ordered both, I will fucking retweet you, follow you, favorite you. You can DM me. I will do your podcast. And if I see you on the road, I will buy you a fucking beer. But it's got to be Adam and me. Or you can just send me and I'll follow you and favorite you. You're going to be doing a lot of podcasts. You know what, though? I don't mind. I look at it this way. Like, I'm doing one next uh Friday night in Edmonton. I don't know how big it is. I don't really care. I know they probably got like a thousand listeners maybe that subscribe. If those thousand listeners hear me and enjoy me, maybe they'll go check out my podcast or maybe they already listen to my podcast and haven't pre-ordered my book or maybe they're going to find you. Like I look at it that way. I look at this community as like as like uh, an, uh, a spider web, like a spider yeah. web of, of, of people who like – I looked at – I did an interview today with a guy you should really interview, um, Omar Dorsey. I don't know who that is. He but, was into okay. Django Unchained. I'm going to give you his number. Okay. He's great. He, I had him on my podcast, really fucking honest, and he's a very accomplished actor. And um, t- just for shits and giggles, he flipped through his phone to see what was on, what, what podcast he listens to. And we have a lot of the same ones, but he doesn't have you, and he doesn't have Adam, and, but he's got Craig Fitzsimmons, he's got me, he's got uh, Joe Rogan. So all of a sudden, you just got to go, oh, have you listened to Allison's? And he's probably going to be like, no, what's that? And then you got a new listener. So that's the way I think it works. You do, you know, it's like, who knows? I, I guarantee you everyone's probably got Rogan, Adam, Marin, NPR. Uh, those, those four are definitely on everyone's. Mm-hmm. But, like, but like, we're that second, third tier of people that, you know, if you just do other podcasts, then they go, oh, shut up. And then if they have that favorite little small one that they love and you go on, they're like, fuck, that's so cool that Allison went on mine. Like when you went on mine, everyone's like, how cool Allison went on Bert's podcast. Oh, so, okay. I, well, I have to ask, even though you didn't want to say, what is the thing that I said that was so revealing? You talked about taking a morning after pill one time. Oh, yeah. And I was, I was like, I've, that's so me. Like, like, like not, and I don't take morning after pills, <laughs> but like that's so is my brain. Like my brain is obsessive compulsive. My ba- my brain is three steps ahead of myself. I'm thinking about the future instead of living in the present. And I and I just I did a really cool podcast with Duncan Trussell. You know Duncan? Yeah, I was just listening to his. I love Duncan. I was just listening to his podcast earlier uh, today. I told you. Yes. I, I say. I say. Have you listened to the one with him and Natasha? That's the one I'm listening ah, to right now. Me too. Oh, we're, we're <laughs> podcast twins. <laughs> his intros are the best intros. It's the only intro I don't skip over. Yeah. Everyone else has got an ad in his intro. In their intro, his is a beautiful. His ads stream. are hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Oh, his ads are fucking great. Oh, the one about like. He's doing it well, on this on that episode that we're talking about. He's doing an ad for a T-shirt, and he talks about how it'll put a smile on your grandma's face, whether she's alive or dead. Yeah, and then he goes into detail about how, like, what if you put your the shirt on your dead grandma, what it'll do. He's he he uh, he's a really interesting guy because he said uh, I, I do a, I did a podcast with him uh, end of last week, and I was in a weird place. I was in, it was in, in this overthinking place, and uh, and I said I said. He said, you know, we talked for like five minutes maybe. And then he goes, man, how are you doing? Because I looked off. I go, man, I'm a, I'm a very raw nerve right now. Like I'm very honest and I'm very vulnerable and I can tell you, but I don't want 
to ma- that to be the thing that we talk about now. Mm-hmm. I want this to be about you. And right now, and I start spiraling a little bit, and he just – he's so funny. He takes a deep breath in the same chair you sat in, takes a deep breath, and he goes, let's meditate. <laughs> oh. And so I go, it's a podcast. He goes, fuck it. There's no rules, man. And he goes, drop the mic. Just lay there. Just sit there. I'm going to walk you through a guided meditation. And so for 20 minutes, he walks me through a guided meditation, and I fucking – Come out on the other side, just smiling ear to ear, and I'm just like Duncan, man. Like you just changed my mood, and 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 in my head I'm thinking, everyone that just listened to that, he just changed their mood. It's a beautiful guided meditation, and that is the beauty of Duncan Trussell. He yes. is untethered. He does not give a fuck if you yell at him on Twitter because he, he how dare you? That's 20 minutes of my life I'll never get back. I'll fucking eat it, monkey boy. Like. <laughs> Duncan doesn't care, and that's what I love about people like that, and that's what I love about you is that you say things that, like, that if my if came out of my wife's mouth, she would be like, my wife would be like, oh my god, you know? <laughs> yeah, there is sometimes I think that impulse to to put it all out there is what I usually claim it is, which is this, you know, I kind of have, I don't want to, I feel like it cheapens it to say it's a spiel, but it's almost like a philosophy that I have, which is that. All of us walk around second guessing ourselves and and feeling out of place and feeling like, oh, that exchange could have come better and all of that. And we all think that we're the only ones. And that's why when people speak honestly about their all their the things that are in their head, it's so appealing to the people that it's appealing to. Because it's like, oh, my God, I'm not alone. You know, I think that's why this segment just mirror everyone on my show, which we're going to do in a little while, um, is popular. So there's all of that. But then I almost wonder sometimes, why am I compelled to, like, really take it to the limit? Like, I talk about my period more than someone needs to. And I'm, that's the one thing that I'm kind of aware is almost, like, yeah, I know this bothers people. And I just, <laughs> it makes me want to do it even more. Yeah. Just especially when I talk about it on Adam's show, because the listeners just can't fucking stand. Well, that's actually not true. A few listeners can't stand it. A lot of listeners, a lot of women especially, are like, keep talking about it. Yeah. But I just feel, like, for some reason, that one, I feel like. I just it's like for some reason I get some weird delight out of like putting that in people's faces. And then like last night, uh, Daniel, my husband, said to me, <laughs> well, he said it was so funny. He said, mm, not sure I needed to know about that because <laughs> I was just <laughs> yeah. talking just a specific detail about, you know, periods and bathroom stuff and women's stuff. But it's like I wondered what is it that is making me want to tell you this? And I. So there's all the stuff I talked about before of like really wanting to connect. But then I think I'm beginning to suspect there might be something just a little bit deeper, which is like, you know, I've never expressed it in this way before. And I'm wondering, Bert, if you can relate to this. It's like I'm going to put gently put out the like dark stuff and see if people still love me. Oh, my. Yes. I, that, and, I, and, you know, I think I think that. I don't know what it is and I don't I don't I think when I was when I was younger I had an outlet of maybe like uh you know getting naked and shitting on a pizza box and that was my my way of saying you know hey this is the dirt well, I don't know what it was now it's this thing like like on stage and I and I, whatever I'm going through with this book and the and the the honesty in this book and the and the fear of of people rejecting my me you mm-hmm. know rejecting me ultimately is what it is with stand up I had that same honesty and I talk about my wife aggressively I'm so fucking honest that my wife hears things I'm honest about my kids to a fault and I and I I 
do it because for two reasons. Like I've, I've talked about this before, but Isla is going through occupational therapy. She's got a bunch of nooks and crannies that we can't really figure out. She's also dyslexic, and and it's just tactile issues. I'm sure I've may, I've maybe told you this about this, but I'm very honest about it on stage because she's a really funny kid, and I talk about how funny he is. But I don't want people in the audience to think um, some just. Like this kid is hilarious, and I got a great life because she's so fucking funny. Mm-hmm. You know, like I t- like I, there's a joke I've been telling on stage lately about. I said, we all have we have nine toothbrushes in the thing. I come home, we're all sick. Did I tell you this already? Mm-mm. I go, everyone get their goddamn toothbrush. The reason we're all sick is because our fucking toothbrushes are touching each other. And Isla looks at me dead serious and goes, "We have different toothbrushes." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> but that's the way her brain works. So in a weird way, I then I then dirty it, sullen it by saying. You know, uh, she's a funny kid. I'm paying a lot of money for her to be this funny because it's occupational therapy isn't cheap. And and but like all her little things, like she's the one that the way her brain works. She got on my stomach one morning, stared me in the face, and goes, "Daddy, guess what's in my hand?" Now I'm fucking panicking, mm-hmm. thinking, "What is it? A gun? A knife?" And then I look at her. I go, "I don't know." And she smiles and goes, "A punch in the mouth, bam!" And just lights me up. Wow. Now I defend. I def. I I I deflect. I love this fucking podcast because I feel like I dissect myself on it. But that that payoff, if people don't like it, I get rid of it on, in stand-up. Mm-hmm. With a book, it's sitting there. Yeah. It's just sitting on a counter, and I'm waiting for people to either like it or not like it. And that anticipation just builds up. And then you start doubting yourself, and you're like, right. oh, fuck. I should have taken everyone's name out. I should have replaced them with fake names. You are, know? Well, are you worried about people who you mention in the book having a negative reaction, or are you worried about like the public not buying I don't know. it? I don't, I'm not worried about pe- the public not buying it actually at all. I, I'm actually I'm I'm under the impression that I can guess how many I'll sell exactly. I can okay. almost tell you exactly how many I'll sell because I, I know who I am and I know that I'm not like. But I mean, are you worried about the public I'm, I'm rejecting about, you? I'm, I'm always my biggest problem is I want everyone to like me. Yeah, I want everyone to fucking like me. That is my biggest problem, and I get I get into this place where I'm like, where I'm like, I'm like, fuck. What am I gonna do if so, if people don't like me? If someone reads a book and they're like, fuck you. You can't write. Why the fuck? Who the fuck do you think you are? Because you wrote a book. Who are you? You're not Adam Carolla. Adam Carolla should write a book. Who the fuck's Burt Kreischer? Like, I gotta be honest with you. I I sit. This is way too revealing, but I don't care. I like talking like this. Please. I walked. I walked back here, and you guys just got done taping with Adam and I don't know Adam and we didn't meet or anything. He just walked by me and I went and I looked at him and I was like, and then I walked back and I saw all these fucking cars and I was like, man, like in my head, I was like, what do you got to do to get here? Like, what do you got to do? And then I'm thinking, I'm only a couple years younger than him. Like, hey, was he like 43? No, he's 49. He's, I'm only like eight years younger than him. And I'm like, am I on that path? Cause that should be my goal, but I'm not even paying attention to that. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, at, like you look at Rogan and you're like, he's got – he just has that brain where he can do all the shit. I'm holding on by a thread with my little life right now and you look at these guys. You're like, how do they become moguls? Jimmy Kimmel. What the fuck? Like what do they have that – and then you start going like, what? Will I ever be that guy? Like is it cool if I'm not? Like will I be cool not being that guy? Oh my god. I just had a similar thought. Today I was driving and I was like – Maybe I'm just destined to be just sort of a like <clears throat> footnote in entertainment. Maybe, Maybe I'm not going to be the, you know, for like, entertainment mogul force that I am sh- I'm no I'm sure I am. <laughs> no, it's it, but- I mean I I have to be- it's like we all have to believe that's where we're headed, but then at a certain point, yeah, you have this sense of like maybe that's just not in the cards for me. Are you cool with it though? I don't uh, actually 
Yes, I think because it's like as long as I get to do what I want to do still, then I am. But if I'm banging my head against the wall the entire time, no. If I if I can do what I want to do and I don't achieve like the fame that I some part of me probably wants. I don't need the fame. Right. I don't need the fame. I don't need what you want the success, though. But see, I want I, I what I'd like. What, I don't mean I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm no, sorry. no, no. You go. I, what I'd like is like I I got into this place. Like I'll I'll, I'll listen to Adams or 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 watch Jimmy or. But it's like at some point, like I watch pro football and I go, they're younger than I am. Like how can I be excited for little kids playing a game? Like they're young. They're twenty. They're all twenty years younger than me. Like how can I root for a kid that wasn't mm-hmm. that, that i have no like when i was a little kid i could look up to them and be like those are my heroes now i look at them if i make them my heroes i'm like i'm like oh my god so i'm listening to uh i'm, I'm trying to think of exactly but like i'll, I'll use adam as an example because everyone listens to adam but like I, I, I was talking about adam on my podcast i was talking to was ari this? shafir oh. and ari and i were talking and we're kind of put him in like hero status like you know because he's done something that no one did and and we're and we're kind of dissecting like and I was saying Ricky Gervais did it too, but then I I'm like I listened to my podcast. Yes, I listened to my fucking podcast. I listened to my podcast and I thought to myself, is it is it unhealthy for me to to look at someone like Adam and in hero status when he's only a little bit older than me and we are in the same business and theoretically we do we are in the exact same pool of like and I and I realize he's been in the game a lot. He's probably been in the game the exact same long as I have. You know, he's maybe doing radio longer, but like I look at him as like, like, is that unhealthy? You know, is it unhealthy to look at Joe, who's my friend, who's a friend of mine in like hero status and go, God, I love what he's doing. I'm really admiring him. Is that unhealthy or is that healthy? Why would that be unhealthy? Um, I, I don't know. I, I like, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I wouldn't look at Nick Cannon in hero status because he's so much younger than me. You know, I wouldn't look at like. Like I wouldn't look at like like the like uh, Zac Efron and be like God I fucking want to be like him one day mm-hmm. he's younger than me, you know. Do you feel like by making like by putting them in hero status that that somehow like you're demeaning yourself since you're yeah. a peer actually? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's really what I'm saying. As I'm probably not. I am. There. I guess I could theoretically be their peers, but uh, but yeah. Am I? Do I? Am, by putting them in hero status, do I then put myself in a subjugated right. status? Demean yourself. Yeah. It, it's interesting. I, I want to say something. Go back to something you were saying before. Um, the thing is, you have achieved so much, and you really—I think—you really are on the path that you want to be on. I, and yeah. it's like you're not like just some guy who like just has a podcast or something. I mean, you like you have a huge, you know, you've had a really great and are having a really great career. You yeah. do a lot of TV stuff. You've done a lot of shows. You have stand up. You have the book coming out. Podcast, you have a huge I know. I'm not, by the way, I, 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 I just realized. No, for I just realized that. Like anyone listening to this, I'm really sorry if I sound like I'm having a fucking pity party. But everyone does get into their head sometimes, and I think this is where my head's been lately. Mm-hmm. Like it's been in this weird kind of space of like, of like, what is this all about? Like, like, like who am I? Yeah, like, like here's the thing. Now, if Adam was just doing his podcast and just doing a one man podcast, maybe I wouldn't look at it. What it is is it's this building. It's this fucking network. It's him going against the fucking patent trolls and fighting for all of us. And you're just like, like, be honest with yourself. If you're listening right now, okay, could you hold that on your shoulders every single night? I could not. I could not wake up. But 
he does. Like I like I look at Joe. Joe's got the fucking MMA career, theater tours, podcasts with scientists of books he has to read. Could I handle that every single night? And the patent trolls, I couldn't fucking do it. You look at this like all those like this office space, and I'm like, dude, I do it out of my man cave, like because I because that's what I can manage. Like, am I putting myself? On the right path, and, and and for you listening, and I hope to God, maybe I'll try to connect it or a little bit. Like, take a look at your life and where you're at, and where you want to be, and the people that are there. Do you treat them the same? Do you treat them like, say, you got a friend who, say, owns a car dealership, and you're still selling cars? Do you look like that's the kind of thing I'm think I'm but talking see, I about? But I think you almost have to make them. You have to put them. You have to look at them as heroes. And I'm speaking about myself. Or else you will be insanely jealous of them and be like, why them, not me? Oh, oh, that's a great way to look at it. That's a great – because I do enjoy their podcasts. And so I'm not completely Because if you did feel like total peers, don't you think you'd be like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. And I guess let me me pull back everything I just said because it is comedy. And if you make me laugh, you make me fucking laugh. I don't give a fuck who you are. Like if you're a kid – like there are some like – like kids doing comedy right now that I, I don't really get it entirely, you know? But like, yeah, so I guess ultimately if you enjoy something, why the fuck would you deny yourself enjoying it? Mm-hmm. You know? I guess it just gets in your head. You're like, oh, what am I doing with my life? Well, it's really interesting. I have that same thing about people's ages as well. It's That's what have it is. Have you ever had a therapist who, who's younger than you? That's weird. I couldn't do it. I know. I when I found that. out, I was like, wait, what? Because I think I, I made some comment about like, you know... I made some disparaging comment, like, you know, she's probably 31 or something. And oh. then it's like, I mean, she's she's 32, I think, my therapist. But it's, uh, yeah, but not everyone is so oriented to pay attention to age. Yeah. It's, inter- it's interesting listening to you. I'm realizing how much I am. And I wonder what that is. I remember when I was in, I was like, I was in seventh, no, so I was probably, probably in fifth grade, maybe. There was this kid, Jay, who was at my tennis camp. And we were hanging out. He was like the coolest kid. And like he could break dance, and and uh, and I remember one time, uh, we were getting we were getting burgers at the little shack by the pool, and I was like, I was like, oh, I was gonna get Mentos, but my money's in the thing. He goes, don't worry, I'll pay for it. I was like, oh, thanks, man, I really appreciate that. And he's like, Don, don't worry, man, you're a friend of mine. I was like, oh, I go, how old are you? And he was like, I'm like 11. And I was like, oh, I'm 12. <laughs> I was like, I'm I'm like looking like, oh shit, man. You're fucking 11? Yeah. I was like, I fucking, I can't let you buy me shit. Um, I remember being in my head going, you're, I remember going, you sure you're 11? Because I don't, you feel like you're 13. <laughs> like, I, I'm definitely, I hope you got, we need to spice this up with some sort of comedy. Let's see if we can tell something funny or enlightening to, that your audience will, that right now they're like, enough of this guy's fucking drama. No, I don't think they're like that at all. My audience is very nice and they love people being honest about everything they're going through. So when I'll tell you a story when my wife was, this is how my brain works. When my wife, we dated for like three dates, four dates, right? When you start to seal the deal. And she, uh, she was like, we need to have a conversation. And I was like, uh Oh, my head. I'm like, she's got herpes. <laughs> and she was, and I was, she was like, I, and I was like, you have herpes. And she was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> like, you sure you don't have herpes? She's like, yeah. I go, well, then why do you want to talk? She goes, I'm in debt, like 25 grand. And I go, I don't give a fuck. Like, what do we care about debt? Uh-huh. So third date. I give two shits. And then it turns out when you get married, you accrue their debt. And I was like, God, I wish she had had fucking herpes. 25 <laughs> grand's a lot of fucking money. Right. But that's the way my, I, I, like, anytime, like, this is why I don't like going to the doctor because I'm like fucking terrified. They'll be like, oh, yeah, that's cancer. What is, sorry, personal question. 
What does you accrue their debt? Personal question as someone who just got married. What does you accrue their debt really mean? Does that mean that if they can't pay it, you have to pay it? Or does that mean that, that your credit is affected? It is your debt now. You're a team. That is your debt. Those are both true. What, herpes and? That it affects your credit. Yes. Yeah. And? You you basically, if if she was $25,000 in debt, then they were both basically $25,000 in debt the second the marriage license got fired. Yeah. Filed. So his credit score presumably went down quite a bit as a result of that marriage license being filed. Yep. And so, and so I had to pay that debt off immediately, but I didn't have any money. I had money at the time and then uh, slowly paid it off and paid it off and paid it off. And and she did too. She worked too. But it was like it was like holy shit. What well, the reason she was saying that? And I didn't get it. But you're starting in the hole. Like right. I, I'm 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 on the time. I'm flying high. I'm a fucking stallion sprinting on tops of mountains. And my wife was this diseased settler that needed a horse. <laughs> she saw me and she was like, I need that stallion. <laughs> and then gave me a carrot and petted me. And next thing you know, I got a saddle on my back. <laughs> I got to run. And she pulls the rein. She's like, We don't do shots at a child's party. Does she get upset at the stuff you say about her? She does not. I don't know, though. Like, she does not. I don't know. Like, I she, <laughs> I have a story about her farting during oral sex, and she gets really upset. Like, every time I do that, I go, I go, she's farted during oral sex, and everyone groans. And I've done it in front of her friends. And I'm like, no, but my point is, and this is where it comes back to honesty, to being honest in the moment. That really fucking happened. Mm-hmm. And I believe that if it happened to me, it happened to other fucking people. Of course. And if it happened to other people, and maybe it happened to a, a like to a couple and the guy was fucking bothered by it. But if he knows it happened to me, then he's like, fuck, that ha-. like we took one on the chin together as a team, you know? So I and like literally. Literally took one on the chin. And so and so the joke <laughs> and the joke's really funny, but I, I talk about that and my wife's like, she's I and you wanna hear the funny part? Is she farts and I'm like and this is I'm doing a little bit of a bit right now, but I gotta get I gotta get to the end so that I can tell you what's what okay. you'll appreciate about it. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck? You didn't know you had one in the chamber? You gotta <laughs> warn me. I have a beard, it's still in here. You could have shit in my mouth. <laughs> and then she starts crying. I go, What the fuck are you crying about? I'm the one in the hurt locker. <laughs> and she's like, You're gonna talk about this on stage. <laughs> and that's what upset her. And in, in all fairness, I didn't talk about it until the second time it happened. <laughs> and then it happened twice, and I was like, That's what happens when you have kids, is your body loosens up and you just fucking rip farts. <laughs> And because and then now now I feel like I'm doing fucking material. By the way, I that's okay. no, I don't. I like I feel like that's so non podcasty. Like like not. It's right. It's interesting. It is very interesting because on Adam's show, especially live shows, if people do material, as long as it's funny, I don't like live. Sh- I mean, I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying right. I don't like doing live shows because yeah, you have to just do that material. pressure to do it. Yeah. Okay, it's a, like the only one you can. The only podcast i've ever done this live that is not that way is doug loves movies mm-hmm. doug right, loves movies, that's so formatted and it's such a fun light-hearted doug is doug is in my opinion one of those guys who is doing podcasting right yeah he's taking chances he's doing different things he's reinventing the format for himself and continuing what works he's the reason i started doing calling sick to work shows so like doug does these 420 shows that if you go on the road and you do with them are sold the fuck out. He sells out everywhere. He'll do a Saturday 420 show, sold out. And then he'll do a Sunday 420 show and do a Doug Loves Movies Live. Both sell out. And he was just like, I looked at it and I was like, the servers don't mind coming in a little early. And they're going to make double the money they were going to make anyway. It's sold out. And so I was like, okay. So I started doing, I came up with the idea to do a, a call-in sick to work show. So like when I do morning radio, I, do, I have a good time on morning radio. And I always drink. Like they always... Wherever I go, and I think it's part of part of my my narrative 
to everyone is is I'm a big drinker. So I go in, I'll do morning radio and I'll drink, and then I was like, fuck it, why don't we just do a show at 11 o'clock in the afternoon and everyone call in sick to work? And then we'll go to a bar afterwards and we'll drink all day. <laughs> so I did one in D.C. I signed up to do one in D.C., call in sick to work shows, and it sold out in like 20 minutes. Wow. And so, yeah, so now I'm going to do a call in sick to work tour where I go from city to city. It's just cities that morning radio works. Like L.A., I don't know if anyone listens to morning radio anymore. LA's a podcasting so, yeah. LA's a podcasting market. You know your numbers, you know your numbers. This town loves fucking podcasts. Yeah. So uh so yeah, so uh I'm doing a call and sick to work tour. That's really cool. Yeah, it's it's different. It's definitely different, but and it, and it takes a lot off my shoulders cuz I just have to do one radio station and then I go and do a show and those radio listeners call and sick to work. They hang out with the radio personalities. We all go to a bar later. Maybe we do a uh, integration or a co-share with the bar and we do big drinking at the bar and they give us some money. And then you do a show that night? No, as I'm, well, I or go no? home like, that's Friday it. night. Oh, I see. I fly home Friday night. I'm home Saturday for softball practice, Sunday for soft. The thing that's really cr- getting me is when my daughters get old enough to hear this. Yeah. You know like the, like cuz cuz I I would say I would say Podcasting has has changed the dialogue. I think the dialogue you have with a fan with mm-hmm. with a, with uh, let me say, let me retake back fan. The dialogue you have with someone that comes to your stand up show is completely and totally different because you used to be able to make things up in stand up. You used to be like two days ago I went to the thing and people are like whoa 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 two days ago you were fucking Rio. And you're like <laughs> okay seven months ago like your your dialogue with the listener is so raw and honest. Like I had Barry Katz on my podcast mm-hmm. today. I had Omar and Barry Katz. Omar and I talked about our kids, and then that's there was a funny bit in there that people will listen to, and then they'll want to hear about Omar in the stage. Like you know, like people call out bits that they've heard on a podcast that isn't necessarily a bit, but they connect with because you were real about it. And it's and it's changed so fucking much. Thankfully, I was never much of a fab, fabricator in like stand up because I, I, I never could write a joke. Mm-hmm. I could never be like I was on a cab the other like I can't I can't write jokes like that. So I always had to tell stories. So. So I always ended up telling stories just about, you know, like taking ass and going to Disneyland or whatever, you know. Um, yeah, what I was going to say before was that uh, I do think on Adam's show people do material. As long as it's funny, it's fine. But on my show, when – there, there have been people who have come on and I – it's not confirmed, but I just get this – I get the sense that when they start going into stories that, that it's material – and a weird thing in me happens where, like, I just kind of shut off. Yeah. And I think that it's weird. I don't know what that is. Someone did someone did a bit on my show, and I just was like, oh, man, it's me and you. Yes. Why can't we talk like – like, this is – Like, real. This is how – I hope people appreciate that this is how me and you would talk if we were having coffee together. Like, this is the same conversation. Right. Like, it's not – there's no I, – I would probably do as many bits – to you there as I would do here. Like I would definitely try to make you laugh because that's part of what makes me tick is Mm -hmm. wanting to make people laugh. But I also don't need to make you laugh because I like your insight on what's going on in me. Does that make sense? I kind of come here for therapy a tad bit. (laughs) Like I really like was so excited because I was like, I was like, I know that I know that I'm, and and by the way, in a weird way today, and I got really bummed about it is I kind of got out of it. 
Like I got out of it because I, I, I took a deep breath this morning. I was sitting in my yard having a cup of coffee and it rained last night. And I was like, you know what, man? Life's fucking good. Let the book be out there. Who gives a fuck? Let it redefine the next phase of your career. Start writing fiction. Like write a do, – do poetry. Do prose. Keep doing stand-up. Keep doing travel. You've got a really great life. I love doing my podcast. I love talking to you. And I was bummed out because I was like, fuck. I wish I could roll into Allison like a hot mess. <laughs> I wish I could come in just real raw and just. How dare you and I was find almost, inner peace before you got here? And then I saw Adam. It's because of Duncan. I saw Adam in the uh, in the fucking hallway, and you know when you get like nervous jitters, yeah. and I got excited, and I was like, "Oh shit, he was just in here." I was like, "Oh, the fucking room still got a smell." Like, like, and then I was like, and then I, but, but so, but I'm I'm so fucking love doing your podcast, and if and I, I want to send as many people that I run into your way that, you. that haven't done yours because I want to hear the conversation they have with you. you Thank know what you I mean? so much. I think I, I hooked up you and Duncan, right? Uh, yes, you did actually. And Ian Bag. Oh, you got to right. have Omar. Omar is okay. awesome. Listen to him on Greg Fitzsimmons. Greg Fitzsimmons, he, he, Omar and our kids are best friends. And I didn't know, I, he's such a real dude. I didn't know he was a fucking extremely successful actor. He never talks about it. And then he was like, oh, listen to your podcast, man. I'd love to do it. And in my head, I was like, oh, in my head, I was like, oh, I don't have people that aren't in the. But then <laughs> I was like, he was like, I was in Django and Chain. I'm good friends with Tarantino. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and you will love him. And he is very fucking honest. Okay. Um, and then I'm trying to think, oh, you know who I'm going to have on soon? Hopefully, yeah. hopefully, hopefully, the writer of The Time Traveler's Wife, Audrey Neffenberg. Oh, but I didn't read The Time Traveler's Wife. You saw but the movie? I No. Wait, do I have the book? I, got I think her. my sister's super into it. I got I, it's yes. awesome. Wait a minute. Did I I think I did read I think I did read some of it. And yeah. it's just my own lack of follow through. I know I've heard amazing things. It's a great it's a great it's a great movie. Uh, I I got and did got in touch with her. I did a guy's podcast in Chicago who was really fucking cool. And he's like, "Hey, I'm friends with with Audrey. I think I'm saying her name right. I hope to God. I'm so sorry if I'm not. I think I think you are. Audrey's like, I'm friends with Audrey. I would like to introduce you to because I'm obsessed with the book. I think because I find a lot of connections. Like I I, I it was the book. It was the the movie. I was I, I, the movie defined a moment in my life where I didn't realize how much I cared about my kids. Like I just was like trying to like get through the road and and you know tough it with booze and and you know on Sunday night take a Xanax and sleep through the sleep through the night and get a, get up early and get home and I was really disconnected and then and then I was sitting on the side of my bed and, and Time Traveler's Wife was on and I start watching it and and he's not showing up he's not around and he's not around all a lot and his wife's upset and I'm like God I feel like that and then at the very end it I. I find myself in the corner of a bed naked crying obsessively. <laughs> I feel like I need to see this movie. It's pretty good, but Duncan, Duncan's the best part of Duncan, is I tell him about Audrey, and then he says, um, did you read the book? And he goes, I go, no. And he goes, in the movie, does he come back in time and jack himself off as a child? And I go, <laughs> no. And he goes, then read the book. <laughs> I was like, shut the fuck up. He's Duncan said the most brilliant thing, by the way. And now that you've heard this, you don't need to listen to my podcast with Duncan. But the, I was blown away he asked me if i read because i was you know i'm going through all this stuff i go nah i mean not really and he goes you don't read i said i do but not really and i go you know i haven't read a book in a long time and he goes can i tell you something you have fucking because he walked into my house and he looked on my bookshelves he goes you have ernest hemingway sitting in your living room ready to tell you a story and you walked past him every day (laughs) he's like you have ayn rand waiting to explain 
art and life and objectivism to you. And I just walk past that And one. you walk, you ignore her. He goes, if Ernest Hemingway was sitting on your couch, would you stop to talk to him? And I was like, fuck yeah. And he goes, then give him a chance. And I was like, that's fucking genius. Like, and then now I can't, I can't walk by a book and not pick it up and just read a couple pages. So that like, is pretty brilliant. I have that. Yeah. Cause see, I used to read a lot and I really don't read books that much anymore either. And, and lately I was thinking that I really, I just want to, I want to immerse myself in something just to get out of my own head. And I have so many books. Why do I not just dive into them? Yeah. And I don't. I just bought a book, 10% Happier. Have you heard about it? No, this but guy? I'm just laughing at I'm just laughing at the Me situation a... you're in because I'm I'm in a, in a similar similar one. With Go what? Ahead. What? With what? Oh, with just wanting like I would like to be ten percent happier. My wife was like, "That's a uh, underestimation, right?" <laughs> She's like, "Just ten? Like how about fifty? hundred percent right. happier? Just small baby steps." <laughs> I'm gonna go to. I'm gonna get involved in. Um, in trans medi- trans transcendental meditation. Transcendental meditation. I've looked it up online. I am. I'm going to hammer David Steinberg. You know who David Steinberg is? No. He is. Well, that so. that is. Can I tell you something? And this is another thing. I'm fucking. I am still a little bit of a hot mess because I'm talking a lot about myself a, a lot. But that's that's okay. Well, I am doing a podcast. So yeah. So yeah, it's to. fair. Um, he is a director. He directed a lot of Curb Your Enthusiasms, like mm-hmm. almost all of them. But he's also a, a cutting edge comic. He's got a series on Showtime called Inside Comedy, where he interviews the greats of oh, comedy. Oh yeah, I know. I know okay. who he is. Yeah. So I did a project with him, and he was like, "We should work together again. Let's do lunch." And I said, "Great." What's so interesting, and this is something I'm trying to change about myself. I did not do it today, but what's so interesting is I went to lunch with him, and I talked to him about me for the whole lunch. I told him I sold me, which which I which. I was like, that's what I do in my head. That, that was a great lunch. And then I got home and I didn't talk to him for like a year. Then I watched Inside Comedy. I'm like, oh, this is really fucking good. I'm so glad David's doing this, man. This is awesome. Then they show uh, a thing, uh, a documentary on himself called um, Quality Balls. And it explains that he was the voice, the edgy voice of a generation. He was before everyone. He defined edginess. Nixon had CIA agents following him everywhere, and he defined these hardcore, take-it-to-the-wall comics, Mm -hmm. and that's what he did. And he sold out theaters, and he's huge in the Transcendental Meditation, and he basically runs the Beverly Hills TM Center. And I'm like, so you're telling me I sat at a lunch and talked about me when this guy's a million times more interesting than me. I didn't listen at all. I didn't listen one fucking bit. And I was like, I need to fucking, like, I was like, I need to start listening. I need to start, stop talking about, stop trying to sell myself and just drink it in all this, mm-hmm. the luckiness you get to be with people, you know? It's that, that line is hard. It's like sort of a, not being certain i'm not i don't want to speak for you but it's a little bit of a like not being certain what's expected of you like am i supposed to be convincing you of something or are we just hanging out or what you know yeah yeah and i think it is harder when it's male on male and you're like why are we talking <laughs> <laughs> like, are, are we gonna <laughs> something gonna happen because you know what your dad would say <laughs> he's gonna query you buddy by the way are you annoyed or what are your feelings towards your dad about that whole thing my dad said it didn't happen Oh really? Yeah, my dad says you have a powerful imagination, buddy. Oh, never huh. said that. Never said that. And I and I'll tell you why I know that he's wrong. I would never think up the word queer you. 
Yeah. Like, I would never, that is a 1970s, 50s type saying. I would never imagine, I, that would never get into my lexicon. I w- I've never said that to somebody. I would, I would say, I think he wants to fuck you in the ass. That's how my <laughs> words would come out. But I remember when he said it, and it got in my head, and I was like, oh, shit. And my dad's like, buddy. Like, he's done, a, there are a lot of stories that my dad will deny. There's a story on my, one of my podcasts, uh, Joey Diaz gave my dad uh, medical marijuana. <laughs> And um and my dad ate it and and my dad and I told my dad you just ate medical marijuana my dad still to this day and by the way we did a whole podcast after and my dad's higher than giraffe pussy you can tell he's just completely like tapped out and so <laughs> and so that laugh is the best fucking I laugh. Know. And and I ended up having to eat some because I didn't want my dad to go down the rabbit hole by himself. Uh-huh. So I ate some. Joey ate some. Then out of nowhere, uh, my buddy Tom, his mom, wrote the book When Heaven and Earth Changed Places. Mm-hmm. And his mom, that's the Oliver Stone movie, Heaven and Earth. It's about the Vietnam War. She kind of just walks in the room and starts talking about how her brother got thrown out of a helicopter in Vietnam. And oh she God. saw it. And my dad's like, holy shit. <laughs> I tell, if, if you called my dad now and said, did you eat marijuana at – Bert's Easter party in front of all your grandchildren and your whole family, he would deny it to the end because that's the way he works. He's a lawyer. He's got a business. He's got, hey, buddy, come on now. Let's, uh, let's dial so that you shit think, back. So he knows the truth, though, and he's just lying? I think. I, or does, has he convinced himself it didn't happen? Let's find out. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Let's find out. Let's call my dad. I'm interested to see yeah. what he says because, like, we, by the way, had a beautiful conversation in, uh, after we both ate weed about, <laughs> about his dad and why I stress him out. Like, cause his, I'm very similar to his dad. And, and, he's, and, and his dad died young from a stroke at 42 and I'm 41. Oh, My dad sees that in me kind of. I just realized it's like fucking 1130. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Hey, bud. How are you? Good. You awake? Hey, uh, you're on a podcast. Is that okay? I'm on a podcast? Yeah, do you mind? Uh, no. Okay. I just have a how, question. How long is the podcast? Because it's like 11, 30, 12 here. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's, I just, it's, I'm doing a podcast with, a, with someone named Allison Rosen. Hello. And I, and I just had a, I had a question and I, wanna, I wanted to see how you answered it. Okay. You there? Yeah. I didn't hear the question. Okay, two questions. Number one, have oh, you? Two. Okay, two questions. Number one, have you ever have you ever eaten marijuana? Uh, only at your place. Okay, all right. All right. <laughs> I did not see that well, coming. Maybe, maybe San Francisco too. Oh, remember that clown? Oh yeah, I do remember that clown. My dad, this we were at this event, and my dad, someone offered him brownies. Just gave him a brownie, and my dad started eating it. And I go, what are you doing? And he goes, these brownies are amazing. I go, what the fuck are you doing, Dad? You're going to eat the marijuana in there. And he goes, no, no, no. I go, how much did you pay for it? He goes, I didn't. They just gave it to me. I go, there's fucking weed in there. Okay. No, it was a female clown. Very nice lady. <laughs> okay. Number second question, and I haven't even told Allison this story. Did you shit your pants in a Banana Republic? Not at all. Okay. That is a lie. You that was a fart. It was dad. You shit, dad. You did not shit. You did not shit your pants on Black Friday in a Banana Republic. No, I did not. It's Brown Friday, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> He's so bullshit. 
Okay, I'm trying to. You know what Georgia said to me when she showed me in that shirt, or what she said to Nana? Oh, I have a. We, my wife made a shirt. It's on my website that says Brown Friday on it, and, uh. my, and she sent my dad one. And my dad was wearing it. We pulled into Tampa, and Georgia came up to my dad. What did she say? She goes up to Nana. She goes, "Does he know that shirt's about him?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Dad. All right. I just wanted to see how you, we were talking about Allison. Allison and I were talking about how sometimes you think. Like with the Will Smith story, that you think that you never said that. Yeah, well, you, you know, your reality is a little distorted. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know, Dad. I know. Okay. Well, I'm going back to sleep then, okay? All right. I love you. Have a good night. Love you. Bye. Bye. He, uh, that's he the way. funny. He's, he's he, you know, I think. Well, he totally shit his pants in the Banana Republic. <laughs> Completely shit his pants, like bad. And and he had to leave. And my mom was like, "So I'm getting a new pair of khakis, thirty-eight thirty. And my wife will att- watch this. Then th- this is the truth. My wife was there. Now you heard my dad. What his right. he said. This is my wife. Okay. And this is the truth because she was there. And she has no reason to fucking lie. I hope she answers. Hey, what's up? Hey, can I talk to Leanne real quick? You sure can. She's on her way here. That's Lorenzo. Oh, Lorenzo. Oh, fuck. I would tell him I was talking Hello? to you. Hey, babe. Hey, babe. Hey, I have a question. Answer it 100% honestly, okay? Okay. Did dad shit his pants in a banana republic? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Why? No, because I just called dad on the phone in Allison's podcast and asked him if he shit his pants in a banana republic, and he said no, it was a fart. <laughs> He did. No, he did not. He shit his pants. (laughs) Okay. Dad believes my reality is distorted, and I'm telling him no, that sometimes his reality is distorted, and we're trying to figure out why. That is correct. I think his reality is distorted. Yes. But wouldn't you distort reality if you shit your pants in Banana Republic? I guess so. Well, I like that he tried to downgrade it to just a fart. Like, he's not saying it's entirely made up. He's just saying... Yeah. Just a fart. Yeah, did you hear a that? Wet, juicy, disgusting fart for he, which he could barely walk home. Yeah, he had to walk down Rodeo Drive by himself. Aww. It was, it was sh- a fart explosion. Yeah, and and we were there. It's not like when we showed up at his hotel room, he was in new clothes. Yeah, he totally ditched our kids because he shat his pants. Yeah, he had my kids in his hands, and he comes back. I go, where are my kids? He goes, fuck your kids, buddy. We got a problem. I go, what? And he goes, I think I'm going to shit my pants. What do I do? I go, stop making eye contact with me, stranger. <laughs> Okay. Well, thank you. I love you. I love you, too. Hey, 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 hey. Just out of curiosity. Yeah. Uh, What? How honest is the story I tell about you farting? That's pretty bad. (laughs) Is it honest? pretty bad. Don't tell that on a podcast, please. (laughs) Okay. Have you already done it? No, no, no. I won't say it. I won't say it. I promise. You already did it, didn't you? No, I didn't. (laughs) Awesome. I love Hope you. Hope you're having a great time. <laughs> I'll be home soon. I love you. Whatever. Stay as long as you like. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, baby. I'll talk to you later. Bye, Leanne. Um, yeah, so, like, it's weird because I am I am so and – and, and, and now you start thinking about it because when you have kids, I have all these stories about my kids. Like, I have a story about my daughter fingering her ass and putting the dog's mouth. Like, <laughs> I, I, like I just – like, I don't – I don't ever think those things will come back to roost. Does that yeah, make sense? It totally does. And when you write a book, that is that everything comes back to roost. Like I wrote a story about I wrote a story about my kids in that in the book. Like and so 
when you do stand-up, when I do your podcast, I say it. I don't care. It's out there. If you have it on your phone, listen to it on your phone. Enjoy it. I hope, you're, I hope, I hope to God what I really hope when people listen to a podcast like this, and I hope that you're not going through any t- anything tough, but if, I hope that if you are going through something tough that you hear this and it makes you forget about that because that's the beauty of what we're doing. That's Yeah, that, that is – I think why people connect so deeply with the podcast is either they relate or it gives them escape or, I mean, it's a, it's a little self-aggrandizing, but I like to think that we are helping people. No, we are. And I'll tell you why. My dog, Priscilla, and this is another thing that I've talked very um, ad, ad, ad nauseum about on my podcast. My dog, Priscilla, um, had uh, blew out her ACL. Then we found out that she blew out her other ACL. So we, we get one ACL fixed, the other ACL still down. We go in, they found out that not only has she blown out uh, the other ACL needs to get fixed, but her kneecaps are both dislocated. And now the knee, the ACL that they have fixed is blown out again. So we have three ACL surgeries. We have two kneecap problems. And we find this out. And the doctor said, the, dent, the vet says to us, um, listen, I am um, just letting you know this, that you know, we, we, if it's too much, I'm not going to let you put the dog through this. And I'm not going to put you through this financially. It's extremely f- huge financial burden. And he goes, I just want, you know, I'm going to just put her down. If oh. I get in there and I find out that it's too much to repair, I'm just going to put her down. And I and I think that's the most humane thing to do to this dog. I find this out and I am heartbroken. I've never – I don't I don't know the feeling I have and I can't really quantify it. And it's, it's this like anxiousness of like none of the – I can't stop any of this. It's all happening and I, and I need it to stop. I need it not to be real. And, I, and I'm a fucking mess. I'm a mess. And I uh, – I put the girls down and I get on the treadmill and I'm sitting with it all night. I open a bottle of wine and I start looking at podcasts that I have on my on my phone and I listen to a po- a very old podcast, very very old podcast that I have saved on. I must have saved it on my on my iPad or on my phone, but it's with Greg Giraldo and Greg Fitzsimmons. And Greg Fitzsimmons goes to Jimmy Kimmel to talk to Giraldo before he goes on, and. And and I love Greg Giraldo was one of my heroes. I always have a attachment to the guys who left us too early. Mm-hmm. And I just started giggling, and I and it, and it not 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 big. So then I went, you know what? I miss Greg Giraldo. I put on his his last hour special, and I disconnected from my problems. He said a joke. I don't know the joke. It was also was offensive. It was an offensive joke. And that's the other issue I had is that you're not allowed to tell me something's offensive because I'm going through some shit. You don't know my shit, but that thing that he just did made me forget about my dog for just like. 10 minutes. For 10 minutes, I was giggling and I was laughing and I was like light and I was like, that's what this is about. And if you can listen to a podcast and you just get separated from your reality, mm-hmm. whether it be on a plane or on a train, and, and, and you got, that's fucking worth it. It fuck the patent trolls. This is worth it. They, yeah. They don't, they don't, you know what? They don't ha- deserve to have joy in their life if they take away this from people because I use this every single day. I look at what, who Rogan's got on, who Duncan's got on, who you've got on, who Adam's got on. I look and I go, that's my, that's my flight. I got to fly to Edmonton tomorrow, uh, two, two days from now. I guarantee you, I start looking at my podcast Wednesday evening, like, who am I listening to? But see, what if putting it out there and it helps, you know, helping the audience? What if someone close to you gets upset that you talked about them? How do you do that math? And I'm asking know. for myself. I don't know, and I, I don't know, and I and I will find out. I will find out uh, May 25th. <laughs> I will find out. Uh, I will, you know, and and 
I I don't I don't talk negative about anybody. I don't say anything mean about anybody. But and it's all light and it's all fun. But I mean, you know, I do think that intention should matter. I think it's like, did, were you should. trying to say something mean, or is someone just unhappy that something's now out there? But, but it's like your you heart heard, is in the right place. But you heard Leanne when she realized I told that story. Yeah, and like it's like she doesn't. There's no real connection. No one's going to walk up to her in the grocery store. No one even knows what she looks like, really. And, and It's just this is something she's embarrassed about and she doesn't – and now it's out of her control. Right. And I did it. See, it didn't embarrass me. Right. I'm the one that put it out there and it embarrassed her. Now, I would argue with her as her husband who loves her more than any man has ever loved her. Honey, there are women – who just had babies, who are uncomfortable with their body feels like. Yeah. And I, my goal in telling that wasn't to humiliate you, but to comfort the woman who's not, quote unquote, rocking the original rims and tires anymore. <laughs> you know, the woman who's riding dirty on 22s that is like, this doesn't look like the one I brought to the right, party. Right. And now I got this forever. Which is how most people feel in anything sexual, I think. But it's how she felt. And I and I yeah. told her, when because I, I told that story, she brought like 25 families from our <laughs> From our uh, school to, to see me do stand up at Brea. And I told that story on in Brea. I told all the stories. I told all the fucking stories. I told stories about my daughters and like, I mean, I told like everything, but that's how I am. I'm, and, and if you see me live, you know, I am not a guy that writes it down on a piece of paper and says it. I'm a guy who has lived it and will tell you it. And, I, and my only goal is to make you laugh, but my second goal is to get you to connect so that I want, I'm not going to be the edgy guy anymore. I decided, to, I decided. Probably like five years ago, I was done looking for the edge. I was mm. done like trying to write the edgiest, you know, like I write in a rape joke. I have no interest in writing a rape joke. I have two daughters and I pray to God that that never fucking happens to them and that they never have any assault, any in their life whatsoever. But I'm also a guy and I also understand a funny rape joke. I totally do. Tasha's got some really fucking good ones. But but my point was I don't need to write it. I don't care to be that guy. Yeah. I don't care to talk about race really anymore because – what, who, who who wants to hear a privileged white guy talk about race? Honestly, I don't want to talk about. I mean, I'll talk about sex and 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 women and men's roles in society and in life. But I'm not going to try to get under the skin of the of the uh, the Jezebel women. Like I don't care to upset them. I hope they never hear about me ever. You know. So I think that. Um, I think that I got to a point where I was, I was like, I'm going to tell my stories. I'm going I'm to make people laugh. But I also want to make people, like, connect and go, mm-hmm. oh, shit, that happened to me too. You know? I don't know. What's your goal? What's your, okay, think, a girl yeah, walks up to you. A, okay. A, I'm going to say – I'm going to say – I'm going to say. Only because you, I bet you could identify with this. A 17-year-old girl walks up to you on the street and says, Allison, I need to tell you. I listen to your podcast and I – finish the sentence – felt so much better after hearing it because I was upset about this and I felt alone and you made me realize that I am okay and I'm not like I just okay this no, sounds I'm ridiculous no. I just like I just as soon as you said a 17 year old girl walks up to you I just imagined myself giving her a hug like I just want to I just want okay. my podcast to be a hug for everyone so let's do this okay uh 42 year old dude uh I I got a place what kind of guy he is only because you need to know what he looks like. He's a little uh, schlumpy. He's got like a shirt on and I'm sure it's got a Corolla logo on it. (laughs) And he's wearing like uh, jean shorts and like like skater shoes. But he's like still kind of – he's got a beard, like a little bit of beard. Maybe he looks like me. And then he comes up and he goes, Allison Rosen, I got to stop you. That's Um, where she maces him. 
<laughs> right. I uh, I listened to your podcast, and I got to tell you, I thought that story about whatever was so funny. Really? Okay. Isn't that okay. funny? That's where that goes. Yeah. Yeah, that you want him to think you're funny. Yeah. And her to make you feel like you're okay. That I want to make her feel like yeah, she's okay. Yeah, like she's okay. Yeah. But I think that's because... It just in the scenario, I expect that that particular guy maybe wouldn't initially tell me how much my podcast had helped him. Yeah, but it helps me. But but people do tell me. But I just imagine for some reason, like my yeah, maybe they would though. But, but people I do think, say that. I think that's. But also, I think you know, I think that's how I hear your podcast. Like I hear your podcast based on my first time doing this podcast, and I don't know what we talked about. But I remember coming out of there feeling so good and going like, God, man, I, I think I told some vulnerable stories and I'm not sure I'm comfortable with them, but I felt safe telling them. And I felt like I felt like the Corolla listeners that listen to this almost give it a pass and they're like, I'm not going to attack him for that. You know, like they're like, he, he was talking to Allison. If he said that to Adam, I would have to attack him and tell him how gay I think he is. But like he was telling Allison that and that's fine. That's what happens in that room when she's yeah. there, you know? Yeah. Like that's my two cents. Hmm. There's so many things I want to ask you. Go ahead. I'm, I'm an open book right now. Okay. All right. Um, I do also want to do just me or everyone, but yes. okay. I'm just. You know what? I'm gonna just. Tell, I'm gonna tell you, and then you can choose which ones to answer. I do want to know this this thing where you want everyone to like you because I relate so much to that. I want to know if you know like where that comes from, what that's about. I also want to know when you sat down to write your book. Um, did you have a clear idea of what you wanted the book to be and like the story about yourself that you were going to tell. Cause you said that yeah, it sounds like you sort of learned a lot of things about yourself in the course of it and realized which were the defining stories. And I'm wondering, did that come out in the process of writing it or was some, did that happen before you sat down to write it? Um, and I think, I think that those are the questions. Um, I don't know where the, I don't know where the want to get everyone like me ever came from. I don't know. And I don't think I always had it. I don't know when that changed in me, and I know that at a certain point, I just was crushed if someone didn't like me. And I, and I, like I said, I don't. I'm the person that if I sit at a party and I feel like you don't like me, I start focusing my attention on you to get you to like me. I'll give you a small example, and then I'll tell you about the book. The other, this is by the way, I I talked about this on Twitter the other day. So if you follow me on Twitter, you're going to know the story I'm about to tell you. But I'm telling you the story now. So we go to a wine tasting at my daughter's school. It's, a, it's held at Spark, that restaurant on Ventura. Mm-hmm. And it's a wine tasting for about 40 families. And it's high scale. It's upscale. You know, but we're still a public school. Let's not forget that. So, uh, so we go in and, and uh, it's like 12, 15 different wines. And, and you go around you taste each of them. And not everyone knows each other. But I know. I've been there for five years. So I know a good group of the people and I definitely know the people putting the event together and, they ha- and, I- and they're having a raffle so I go over and I see someone put in $10 for a raffle and get three tickets and I was like and then someone came, put in $5 and got one ticket and I was like why would they do that like and, and then I was like what uh how much can we put in the guy's like well whatever you want I said well here's like 100 bucks I go get what does 100 get me he goes 65 tickets I go great give me 100 bucks worth of tickets and so then my wife independently spent twenty dollars and got like I think ten tickets. I think the math worked out. There was like three bucks for one, five bucks for one, ten for three, and then so they go to do the raffle. Now I also can't deny who I am. Like I can't be someone else. I can't be the guy that that fucking gives a shit about about 
uh, the new rules of drop off. Like I don't care about all the fucking legalities of having a child at school and like not legalities, but like the the, the school rules. Mm-hmm. You know, like hey, don't bring an open cup of coffee into the school premises. Fuck you, I'm having a cup of coffee. Like I don't, and that's that's a bad one. That's a bad one. But that's like, actually a rule. That's actually a rule. Um, like I don't care when they're like, guys, we're gonna everyone who wasn't tardy is getting an award today. I don't care. I don't take a picture of it. And I don't fucking care. Mm. So we go in, they do the raffle, and they pull the. F- there's there are. Um, I, th- I think there are 12 prizes to be given, okay? And so they do the raffle. They do the first name, and it's me. I won. And I'm like, yes! And I go fucking nuts. I am a celebrator, if nothing else. That's what I'm fucking talking about! That's it! What did I get? And they're like, you got a Pilates class. I was like, I don't even give a shit! And, and so I get the Pilates class, and I walk back, and everyone's celebrating. They pull the second number, and it's me. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about! I go, what is it? They're like, you got a yoga class. And I'm like, yes, a yoga class! I go up, and then someone says, how many tickets do you buy? And I said, I bought 65. And... Everyone starts going like you bought. I go. I put like a hundred bucks on this, and they're like, "Are you serious?" They pull the third ticket. It's me. I go. What did I win? They're like, "You want a massage?" And I go. I feel like the fucking Yankees right now, and I am high fiving people. And as I go up to get the the massage, the woman who's running it says to me, "You can't keep winning." And I said, no, 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 this is fair. Yeah. And she goes, no, give it back. I go, I'm not giving it back. I go, I put 100 bucks in the pot. I, I, win, I win these prizes. She goes, this isn't fair. So she comes back. She pulls the next prize. I win again. I win another yoga class at the <laughs> same studio. I'm like, that's what I'm fucking talking about. I won uh, eight out of the 12 wow. prizes. And my wife won two of them. <laughs> we win, ran 10 out of the 12 prizes. We won two yoga classes, a massage, a Pilates class, a personal trainer, a dinner at Sparks, a bottle of wine. A necklace, earrings, we won everything, and people got fucking pissed. Now, I enjoyed winning because a part of me thought it was absolutely hilarious, and a part of me loved the winning, and, a, and a, just to keep winning and seeing my friends laugh brought me so much joy, and me over-celebrating. Mm. I took my shirt off one time when I walked <laughs> up, and I was in people's faces, and then when one other woman did win, I started booing her, <laughs> and but like... So, like, some parents got really fucking upset, like, got really angry and walked out. Wow. And I and now, and then the one guy, one guy, by the way, oh, 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 I will tell you off air. Okay. I will tell you off air because I don't want to, I don't want to, oh, shit. Oh, this is good. You're going to love this and you know this guy. So, one the guy. listeners are dying right now. One guy got really upset and his jaw was trembling and he was angry. Really angry. And we know this guy? Say no more. Okay. I'll tell you after the podcast. His jaw is trembling and he is fucking steaming. And he's talking to the two women in charge of the event, like berating them. And I walk up, not knowing what's happening, and I jokingly go up and I go, hey, what did you guys win? (laughs) And he is upset. And now my this is where my brain works. I don't want that guy to be upset with me. I want him to like me. Despite the fact that he is completely off base. He is so far off base, he's borderline psychotic like that honestly and i can't help but try to win him over Mm. so i tell him i introduce myself and i ask him what he does and i know what he does and i know that and i know that we have a connection and i explain the connection and i then talk to him and we talk we had a great conversation and we left and we exchanged numbers but what is crazy is he was in the wrong he got upset that i won a lottery that i won a raffle a fair raffle because i doubled the money i put in more money than anyone money that was going for a good cause to children had i not won i would have never caused the stink i would have never thrown down my thing but he got fucking irate and do not let me forget to tell you who it is oh okay? we won't 
and now so that so that is a part of my personality that I can't control and I don't know. Like like uh, right. There's some people who would be like, st- I'm going to steer clear of that guy. My wife. My wife was like, my wife got done and she was like, you will never speak to that guy. Yeah. I will not let you call him and I will not let you talk to him because what he did is unfair. He took out his own frustrations in his life on you living your life and you were just living it purely. You were living it on the path you should be on and he took it out on you. She goes, honey, that's not fair. I'm God. I need your wife in my life. <laughs> yeah, my wife's a really grounded person. Now, yeah. how the process of writing the book, this is why it's so, this is why it's so eye-opening because what would happen is I would I knew this I wrote down a list of stories I wanted to tell. I thought it would be like David Sedaris, and maybe it is, maybe it is a little bit, but I don't think really entirely. I thought it would be just a collection of short stories that none connected to the other, none tied into the other, none referenced the other. However, it wasn't like that. So but what I did is I just wrote down a list of my favorite stories I had about my life and I started writing them. The reason it was so eye opening was um so like I I one like Two stories in, I was like, God, man, I don't, I don't see myself as funny. Like, I see myself as the standard by always. Like, like I have a, I have a story, I have a very f- famous story that I'm not going to go into detail about because everyone knows it and everyone kind of, and it kind of caused drama in my life. But to, a guy that was there that was with me the night that story happened, we told it on stage together one time. Kind of just to recount. So I would tell him, fuck it, it's a Tracy Morgan story. I don't fucking, why, why, am, I, that, well, that, why am I fucking cowering to that? I'm not. Here, I'm just going to be fucking honest. Uh, Tony Woods was with me. One night I'm in D.C., Tony Woods is in the back story. He's like, tell the story. And I go, and Tony was with me. The whole night he was with me. I go, it's your story as much as it is my story. I go, get up on stage. We'll have tooling, dueling mics. I'll tell my side of the story. You tell your side of the story. Let's see where the truth lies, like what we remember. Well, in his side of the story, I am extremely fucking culpable. Like I am very guilty of instigating everything that evening. Mm. In my side of the story, I'm this innocent kid who just kind of hangs out like, oh, look, it happened. Mm-hmm. So it's so interesting when you, you know, like when, when you tell a story that I noticed that like in a lot of my stories, I don't really see myself as the hero. I see myself as like – the, an observer, an observer, and and like and this innocent guy that got swept up into everything. When anyone that knows me knows, I clearly get involved. But I never. I have a fear of giving myself the punchline. Sometimes in a story, I will tell a story. I'll tell a joke on stage, and I'll say my wife said something when I wrote the, when I wrote that. Like I, that was the thought I had. But instead of me saying I said it, I'll give someone else the punchline. I wonder why. I don't know. I don't know. But doing that was fascinating. And then. What happens is you take a story like, like say the machine story, and you dissect it, and you really tear it apart, and you start remembering things that like are clearly like you're like shit, man. I was guilty of that. Like I did instigate that. Like oh fuck. Like I, there is a part of me that, and and you start really witnessing yourself in these events, in these moments, and you're like I can't. Like like I wrote a great oh great story about um about first grade and about separation anxiety and being dressed as uh, Gene Simmons and and doing a concert. And my dad and how he – and he it's, he would say this never happened. I promise you he'd say this. When he reads this, he'll go, that never fucking happened. It fucking happened. Uh, I dressed as Kiss for a talent show and I dressed in the morning as Kiss. Like I dressed – I didn't have the makeup on but I dressed as Kiss. I was in like my mom's leotards, mm-hmm. a chain across my chest and a cape and that's it. And my dad's like, buddy, you can't go to school like that. I was like, why not? Like I didn't see something wrong in it, but he put that on me. And then I was like, fuck, how much shit has my dad put on me? Like how much shit right. did I do? And I was being pure. Like 
in that story, and in that story, I realized Isla is going through tactile issues. Like clothes freak her out sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like she can't just put on any socks. It's got to be the socks she wants to wear. And if they aren't the socks she wants to wear, we're gonna have a fucking problem. <laughs> but I had tactile issues when I was a kid, and all I would wear were cowboy boots, no socks, and a speedo. <laughs> all I fucking wore, and I didn't notice it was wrong. Until one day I went to the mall with my dad wearing cowboy boots and a Speedo. Very comfortable, by the way. <gasps> and my dad kind of m- made me realize that that wasn't acceptable. But I didn't know that. Yeah. Like, I, that, wa- I, that was put on to me. I didn't really. Here I am walking around like Magic Mike, just like, I see some lawbreakers. <laughs> and my dad's like, buddy, you can't wear that. And now, I, I couldn't. You're right. I couldn't. And I, I, But I... Instead of letting me grow out of it, and maybe that's the way that works for all of us, he kind of told me that's the end of that. So, like, that's, that story about the kiss thing, it's all about it's, – it's a lot about that moment with my dad and realizing I am different. And thank God whatever happened in my life, I never really changed. I remember one time I was coming back. I need to shut the fuck up. I no, feel like no, I'm talking okay. about me. Um, I was coming back. I bought milk from my wife. Um, she wanted milk, and I, I bought milk, and I bought a tall boy. And I used to live on Detroit Street, 435 Detroit Street. Uh, in between fourth and 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 th- or sixth and third, like right near that, so like is that like Mid Wilshire. Yeah, like right around there. And we lived on the top floor. We lived on the fourth floor in the on the in the penthouse, and you could see all the way down to Detroit Street. And so I I told my wife I was getting milk and a forty, like a tw- big tall boy. And I skateboarded up there, and I had headsets on, and I was listening to Modest Mouse, and I was skateboarding back, drinking a forty, era twenty, big tall boy. And as I was skateboarding, I was, it's downhill. It's slightly downhill. Not really intense, but slightly. So you just need a couple pushes, and you can go the whole way. And I was weaving in and out with milk, and the milk was swaying as I was weaving. And I was sipping on a beer, and I was just lost. And it was in the middle of the night, and I was lost. My wife was waiting for the milk, and she was looking at me. And I came up to the house, and I was smiling ear to ear. And she goes, whatever that guy is, don't ever fucking lose him. That guy that... Is, has two children and maybe shouldn't be drinking a beer on a skateboard with a thing of milk and shouldn't be on a skateboard at all. Yeah. He's a grown up. Maybe he should have fucking walked or driven and gotten the milk and come home. But no, like I got in the thing and, and that part still exists. I still get like I still have moments where I just get fucking lost in the moment like this. This is something my dad would never do. He would be <laughs> so guarded. He'd be like, well, what do you want to know about tax laws? But like I love opening up about everything. And just kind of rambling and, and being. See, that's the thing. I don't want to be that person who's like, you have to be afraid at all times of what you say. And you have to be very controlled and very tight. And you just, there's certain things you don't talk about and you don't do this. And like, ugh. Right. I, I am, I don't buy into, and that is a lot of people's reality. Like a lot of people in my family, but not just in my family, in the world, do not understand what we do in the sense that they just, like, they just can't imagine wanting to share so much with strangers because yeah. all the all the reasons that you wouldn't want to, you know. But I just find that the way out of feeling shame about something is to stop trying to hide it. The way out of feeling uncomfortable about Ooh. something is to just talk about it. It always I always feel better. I'm calling my wife. There's a book you need to read. Okay. Uh she's just reading it's about shame. How you, do you know what it's called? No. Something about shame. Her name's uh, God damn it, what's her name? Bene, Bene, um, get her on your podcast. Oh, you get her on your podcast? Okay, because you can interview her. I couldn't interview her. Bene, yeah, Bene. Hey, babe, what's the name of that book you're reading about shame? It's called Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Daring Greatly. All right, cool. 
Thank you. I love you. Nice. Bye. Um, daring greatly. It, you, you read it and then interview okay. her. I, I couldn't read something like that. Because right. then what happens with me is when I read, I imagine. So, like, I, as I read, I will start, um, like, my, I'll start wandering in my head. Like, that's why I don't read a ton because, like, I tried reading Memoirs of a Geisha. And the first line is, I was born on the windy cliffs of Okinawa. And then this voice in my head's like, I wonder if she knows Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> so the whole book, I'm like, where's Mr. Miyagi? You're just interrupting it. Yeah, like, interrupting, interrupting it. Interrupting Doug's thing. So, yeah, so so <laughs> so I I read a book like Daring Greatly. And as soon as it goes to shame, I go, ah, I remember – I remember, I can tell you distinctly, it was closing day ceremonies of Mustang baseball when I didn't realize we had to give our uniforms back. And I had a Speedo underneath because we were going to a pool bar party later. And the coach took my uniform from me. He took all my clothes from me and left me in a Speedo with knee-high socks, stirrups, and cleats, and a baseball <laughs> glove and a hat. Like I was some stripper on his way to a party, and I was a child. And I had to wait there because Chris Suarez's parents were driving me home. And Chris had an all-star game, and I hadn't made all-stars because I was the younger age of that. And I sat there, and I was so embarrassed, and everyone laughed at me and I went into the boys' bathroom at Forest Hills Baseball, that far stall, the same stall where I allowed older kids to give me a swirly like a year before because I thought if I didn't fight, it would be okay. Like, give me a swirly, just do it. And I sat in there and I cried for fucking an entire baseball game. I sobbed uncontrollably and I was shamed. But there's a big difference, I think, between shame and humiliation. Mm -hmm. And and that's the book's about. You should read it and please interview her because I would love to hear what, what... Yeah. I'm Thank sure. You. Does Val do your stuff? Um, I don't know who Val is, so no. Okay. Um, but oh wait, maybe I know who Val yeah, you know, is. Yeah, I no. think you know who Val is. <laughs> but I'll I'll see if she's at St. Martin's, and if so, I'll get Yaniv on it, my writer, my editor. So, okay. But um, but cool. yeah, shame's Thank an interesting you. thing. I will, I will read that. So yes, I didn't mean it to is. stop you. No, no, no. I was just. I mean, I was just saying that. I just think there is. It's like I'm trying to reaffirm for myself the the value in being so open. I'll tell you the value. I'll tell you the value is is my daughters at some time will go through my catalog of podcasts. I'll be dead. I'm, I'm sure this is how this is going to work. And it's not sound morbid. But like, look, I get my mortality. I get it pretty heavily. I'm living a lifestyle that does not let you last forever. And I and unless I change it, I get it. I get it. I work out. I try to I try to write the boat as much as possible, but I get it. And I'm just a beer drinker. I'm not like cocaine or pills or weed. I'm just a beer drinker. But I do drink. And I understand that that does cause, you know, I'll be dead one day. My daughters will be maybe, like, let's pray to God not. Maybe they'll be 19 years old. And they're going to miss their father and they're not and they're going to not feel like they have a connection with him because I'm gone. You're giving yourself, like, t- only 10 more years? I don't fucking know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, what's that, okay. 50? 51? I mean, people, I would people, like to see you go to 80 or 90. I'd like to see myself go to 80 or 90. I want to be that Pat Summerall that everyone's like, I can't believe he's still drinking at fucking 87. Like, <laughs> I would like to be that guy. But, like, I'm just – let's just – let's hypothetically. I'm okay. trying to do this for you. Right, okay. So let's, let's hypothetically say I die in a plane crash. Okay. Okay? Great. That's probably going to happen. So um, my daughters will look for connection with me. And now they have Allison Rosen as my best friend stickers on their bed. They have – I remember. Me, I remember you when they put them there. Yeah. And they have them on their bed. And they will see your name and they will go, I know her. How do I know her? How do I know? Not realizing they saw your name every night before they went to bed. <laughs> They'll go, how do I know her? And they're going to listen to your podcast. And they're going to hear you talk openly and honestly about their lives. And they will, you will say things to them 
that no one will be allowed to say to them. No, no teacher, no supervisor, none of their friends because their friends haven't gone through it either and their mom won't talk about it. Their aunts are going to speak about it, but you'll speak about it. And you'll speak about being so uncomfortable that you took the morning after pill and one of my daughters will go, fuck, that's, I feel like that. And they're not going to feel weird or fucking broken or, or, or like I, I remember Bill Burr told a story one time and Bill Burr is a comedic fucking genius. He told a story a long time ago about um, believing he had contracted herpes. Now, he, what he didn't tell in this story is that he thought it was on his knee. So, yeah. like, so like in this, in the middle, that's the punchline is that the whole time it was on his knee. But what the thing that that he didn't understand is that I had had a one night stand two two nights before, and I thought I had gotten something, and I believed I had gotten something, and I literally was so fucking out of my mind about it. And thankfully, and I only say this because you need to say this in the way this works, I didn't get anything. I didn't get anything. I did believe for a while I did. Mm-hmm. Trust me, when I was at Barnes & Noble, I, can, I was like, I got something. And then I went to the doctor, and I was like, have you been playing with your dick a lot? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, stop playing with your fucking dick. He's, he's like, what have you been doing? I was like, dipping it in vinegar? He was like, what? Oh, I was like, my God. Oh, I was bad. I was really yeah. fucking bad. I was it, I, but it was OCD. I was getting right. lost in my own fucking head. And um, and when Bill told that story, it made me feel like I wasn't alone. I was like, I was like, because. But either way, and I and the punchline is, you know, he thought it was on his leg, and the doctor's like, you can't get herpes on your knee. It's got to be like on a like need to have some sort of mucus or something. <laughs> like you don't get it just on your knee. That might be a scab. Did you did you fall? <laughs> like, I, and I don't even know if Bill would remember this story. Although I'm sure he did because I don't think Bill speaks from a place that's not true. Right. So if you brought it up, I guarantee you, Bill would be like, "Yeah, I thought I had it on my fucking leg." But uh, but when he told that, it made me breathe easy and smile and go, "It's not all that bad." When you when you have let's just use let, and I not to use herpes. Let's say you get genital warts. Let's say you get contract genital warts. What happens to you? And this is why I only say this because that's what I thought I got when I had that when I stand. I really thought it. I thought it so much that I actually told my wife, "I think I may have it." Even ten years after being diagnosed without it, because I was so Convinced. I was and I and I loved this woman, and I didn't want her to go in blind, not knowing anything. She looked at me and had seen me naked, and was like, "I don't see anything." <laughs> and I was like, "No, I'm pretty sure." She's like, "I think you're fine." To the point that when we had a baby, when we had Georgia, the do- I had the doctor blood test me. And he was like, you have nothing, buddy. You have fucking nothing. And that's when I started breathing easy, when I got a fucking blood test. But my point is, when I was going through that, once again, I love this fucking – and I hope to God this is semi-enjoyable, this this candid, raw conversation. Um, but I only know one speed when I hang out with you. And, I, and, and quite honestly, this is it. So if you don't like it. Just don't say anything. You don't need to tell <laughs> right. me. Just don't like no it. Need, no need. Is to there let anyone? Us know. Does anyone just not like anything any these days? It's like someone takes a bite of a sandwich and then walks around the stadium going, "I hated that. You just wasted <laughs> ten minutes of my life." Uh, don't just don't tell me you didn't like right. it. Just enjoy it or don't and just yeah. be, be quiet. <laughs> um, so like I don't tell anyone I don't like their shit on Twitter. Who fucking does that? So so. But when I, I remember walking through Washington Square Park, believing I had contracted genital warts, full blown believing it, and. I remember thinking everyone looked like they had the perfect life. Everyone looked perfect and and had dreams and I had nothing. And I was like, no one knows what I'm going through. Like I'm empty. I'm broken. I can't – like I remember I remember falling apart and just being like, like – like I remember looking at a tree and, and I didn't see the leaves. I saw genital warts on a dick. Like I fucking was a mess. And fucking Bill Burr two nights later tells a story and I'm in the back going like, I'm not alone. 
Like, I'm not alone. It was like, and he doesn't remember. I guarantee you wouldn't remember. But man, it meant a lot to me. I, and, and, and so, like, I think that when you tell, when you are who you are, I pray to God my little girl's here at one day and they go, oh, I can be that. I don't have to be what I see on TV. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not shitting on, I'm not shitting on, like, say what, what, and I use her because she's my friend. I'm not shitting on what Schumer does, but like Schumer is honest and open, but in a very lighthearted way. She's not like super honest and direct. Like she's not like she's not like uh, she's not she's not too, she doesn't show a lot of vulnerability in her stand up. Mm-hmm. Her stand up's more about power, and and I hope my daughters feel powerful. But I hope their vulnerability side is represented by someone like you. You know. Thank you, Bert Kreischer. Don't mention it. Oh, very nice. Let's do a quick just smear everyone. Maybe we'll just do like three three just smear everyone's. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? All right. Rich Bryant says, when I use a Band-Aid, I always peel off both pieces of backing first, then apply it even though it sticks to my fingertips. Wasn't that how you're supposed to do it? I think so. What would the alternative be? Like you unstick it, toss it in the air, and catch it on the <laughs> on the <laughs> on your cut. Yeah, you catch it on your cut. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Well, there's some people that unstick one, then place it and oh, pull it across. I guess that maybe that's like the the more sanitary way of doing it or something. Can I tell you what my daughter's occupational therapist will tell you? Please. That is a definitely tactile issue thing. Like, Wait, what is that? What does tactile issue mean? It means like things touching you. Like, I don't wear underwear, and I have to wear a certain type of socks, and I don't like my shoes too tight. My shoes are too tight. It drives me fucking crazy. Like, I need my hats a little loose. Like, you always see my hats are a little loose, because anything too tight on my head starts giving me a headache. So it's like, I don't like tags on my back. Wait, I told, what does tactile issues indicate? Because I totally have tactile issues, and as a little kid, I did. Like, my parents have some story of me naked or almost naked in like LAX or something. And it, no, you're not LAX, some airport. It was really cold. Everyone was looking at them like, why aren't you clothing your kids? Because like, I refuse to put shit on. It's sensory processing. Yeah. It's like if I am wearing layers and the seams aren't lined up, I go fucking insane. Oh, I know what you're saying. If I have a, if I have a long sleeve shirt under a jacket oh, yeah. and the sleeves oh, of the jacket aren't sticking yeah, out of the jacket, yeah. I am fucking out of my right. mind. Be happy you don't have to wear a fucking bra because that's like the, that's the, the giver of tactile issues, bar uh, none. I wore a, I wore a, a, a Spunks, like the man Spanks mm-hmm. for TV one time, and uh, and I actually enjoyed it and it drove me nuts, but I enjoyed it because it was like, and I was like, maybe there's part of me that's autistic because I know autistic kids like to have right, those, those weight vests on. <laughs> so I was like, maybe I'm part autistic. Right. And maybe that's a quickening. So wait, what does the what does t- tactile issues indicate? Uh, it's a sensory processing thing, and I don't know because I have, also have a problem listening. So does Isla. <laughs> So I don't really know. I didn't listen entirely to what that was about, but my wife did, so she can tell you. All right. I'll find out or I'll just look it up. That's interesting, though. All right. Courtney Rachel says, Thursday app mentioned pronunciations again. Do you pronounce – oh, this is something we should do on the Thursday show, but let's do it here, too. So on the Thursday episode of this show, Bert, we also we always notice when people say words weird and then like – Oh, here we go. You ready? Raccoon. That's – yeah, I say raccoon. I say raccoon. Uh-huh. I say uh, cement. Okay. I say concrete. Oh, I say concrete. Yeah, it's, I think it's concrete. Con- con- no. No, maybe I'm saying cement wrong. Uh, I say massage. <laughs> okay. Uh, I say, um, and what's the other one I say? Oh, nightmare. Nightmare? Nightmare. Hmm. Like that's those one, are those, unique. Yeah, those are the ones my wife always picks them up on. 
Okay, so Courtney Rachel says, do you pronounce Mary, Mary, Mary different or same? Me, different. I say them all the same. I say them usually with, are you bugging afterwards? <laughs> Mary, Mary. What a great fucking song that was when it came out. Mary, uh, Mary, Mary, Catherine is my sister's name. Uh, Merry Christmas, and I got married to my wife. So you say them all the same. I say them identically. Gary? Yeah. I think they are pronounced all the same. How the, well, hell, how the hell would you pronounce them differently? Like my dad Murray? would say, let's see. Okay, Mary can be like Mary. And then okay, Mary. That's about being from New York, though. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Mary. Yeah, I mean, you can pronounce my name four different ways right. from different parts of the country, but I think. I would argue my New York friends who would say Mari would say they got Mari. Right. Mari? Oh, yeah, you're right. Like if, if, you, if you have an East Mary, Coast Mari, accent, you right. pronounce married, married. Yeah. It's yeah. It's just your accent. It's the way it goes. I don't know how she's I think pronouncing Mary, them different ways. Like Merry Christmas would be like M- Murray. Look, I got to be honest with you. I don't think Courtney no. has any point. <laughs> Courtney Rochelle. Courtney Rochelle. Phil Scrogg says, "Every time I need scotch tape, all I can find is double stick." <laughs> I don't have that problem. I've never had that problem. Who the hell has double tick stick sitting around their house besides my mom? My mom has it too. It's in a drawer in the kitchen with um, a lot of tapes lined up and then like a really old school pencil sharpener and phone books. Phil, do you work in the art department somewhere? Because <laughs> I never have double stick tape. I, I love know. double stick tape. It's good. All right. Let's keep going. My call game says I eat the smallest piece of pizza first so I can give the crust to my dog faster. Uh, Not- you, need, you need to stop that. Can't give your crust to your dogs. Why diarrhea? It's, no, it's just bad. You can't. It's I've weight issues with dogs. It's caused a lot of problems. Okay. <laughs> fucking so much fucking money off after that dog's. I know. Because the dog got up like 140 pounds, and you see my, you saw my dog. I it was there the day that your dog had like attacked the other dog, maybe, or you got home and one of the dogs had blood on them, and you went to the vet. Oh shit! Yeah, Priscilla attacked Mona. Yeah. Yeah, but those weight dogs, you got to keep your dog healthy. But I do not – back to his point, I do not eat the smallest crust first. I eat the biggest crust first because I always believe pizza is a race. <laughs> Dinosaur Jesus says, at the doctor, feel nurses judging when asking about exercise, smoking, drinking. So exaggerate exercise and downplay drinking. I think everyone does that. Not me. Really? I'm fucking honest because I need them to know what they're looking at. Now, here's the thing. I will not tell them – like I'm not going to – I'm not going to like, grim and grim it, but I tell them, eh, my lifestyle's a little fucked up. I'm on planes a lot. I drink on planes. Um, I, I perform at night. So yeah, like I'm not the average bear, but I, I need you to look at my body that way. And I, they've always come back and like, your liver's 100% healthy, your blood pressure. Now what I will do, uh, dearest dinosaur Jesus, is I will get healthy before I go see a doctor. <laughs> I will cleanse and fucking get, I will get in shape. Yeah. And then go, hey, what? Is this, is this normal? <laughs> um, Caitlin Gerard says, when I'm in the break room and my boss comes in, I feel like I have to go back to work even if I still have time. Yes, I remember that feeling. I'm, I don't, I never, never had a job like I never that. Never had a break room. Uh, pandemonium. Gary, when you were at the break room at um, your grocery store? Did you ever have that? Did you guys have a break room? Yeah, but no. I but that wasn't a career. I worked at a grocery store for six bucks an hour. Fuck that guy. Yeah, I had four minutes left to my break. I was taking him. Maybe you could just go. Oh, I just farted, and then they're like, and then they leave, and then you can <laughs> stay there longer. There you go. Pandemonium says, "I clear my throat or make some noise when someone comes in a restroom to prevent them from doing something embarrassing." Yes, I. Uh, 
Do I do that or not? No, I guess I I was going to say I do, but I guess I don't. I don't. I don't, but I am. Okay, a big, big insecurity or fear in high school, fear slash like weird fantasy was always I'm in the bathroom, some girls come into the bathroom, and then I overhear them talking about me. And then I would think it's weird how that would make me want to like pull my feet up so and just like hide out till they left. When really, if I walked out, they're the ones who should feel bad. This never, nothing like this ever happened to me. It just used to be a mental exercise I would do. Oh, I had someone talking shit about me one time. God, when was that? Might have been a dream. One, one time my mom and I got caught talking shit about my sister on the phone. Oh, no. Yeah, my sister was being a drama queen. And my and I called my sister. My mom was at my sister's house. And I called and I was like, I was like, hey, what's up? She's like, nothing. I said, is Cotty there? And she goes, yeah. I said, how's she doing? She's like, ugh. She's being such a bitch. And I was like, I know. What the fuck's wrong with her? And we talked to her about her for like five minutes. And then uh, my mom called back. She was like, God, I listened to all of it. And I was like, oh, fuck. It was Where bad. Where was she? Was she on she the was line? She was on the line listening to the whole thing. I was like, yeah, that's on you. You, got, you. That's Maybe we were accurate then. If you were eavesdropping, right. maybe some shit is going on. But I felt guilty nonetheless. Yeah. Jonna Johnson says, just mirror everyone, when following slow car, I'm sure they're trying to keep me down. I wait till last minute to turn on signal so they don't have time to turn. It's a little paranoid, but I understand. Um, who said that? Jonah John? Jonna Johnson, I think, is her name. Say it again. When, I'm fo- when, when she's fo- following a slow car, she thinks that they're trying to make her late, basically. Like, they're trying to hold her back. So she waits until the last mer- minute to turn on the signal so they don't have time to be like, oh, I'm going to turn, too. That's what keep her down means? I, it's a logical explanation, but that does, that's a weird it's a weird phrasing. It's throwing me know. off. I don't know. This is a- you know, like, the man's trying to keep me down. Yeah. I don't know. That, I, yeah. I, I don't, like, I... I th- I, I think you may be reading into it. <laughs> I, I think so. I think she's just wondering if other people also have this thought. And I, I, I know what you mean. I like to – I mean, occasionally I will do the, like, turning on my signal at the last minute just because, you know, I don't want people to know where I'm going, which is really the opposite of signals. I, I, I know what you're saying. I do not do that. However, what I have tried to do recently is, is I try to look at people on the road – and give them as much love as I can. Oh, that's a good thing to do. Because, because, but I do get passive aggressive sometimes. Like I see so much misery in people. Like I see so much misery in like in just the average person on the road that I go. That's really sad. That 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 your life allowed you to get there. It's it's just shy of crying out loud in front of people. And so I always try to like give that person the benefit of the doubt and go. You know what? Like. Maybe they're out of it. Like sometimes I was driving slow on my way here on this road, whatever's road that road is on the outside, not this one, but the outside. Mm-hmm. I was driving slow because I was dancing and I was singing and someone was behind me and I must have looked like I, I was I, – if you didn't know, I was like, fuck you, fuck <laughs> you. But I was singing T.I. And they mm-hmm. and then I realized I was doing it so I pulled over and they flew past me. And I was like, oh, that poor person. Like here I am dancing and singing, and they're just irate. Yeah. They're like, how dare you fucking enjoy this drive? Like, but be a Christian, Jonah. Mark Bazinski says, <laughs> I will sometimes refrain from Googling things I should know to give myself the satisfaction of remembering it on my own. Uh, I, no. I look up to you, Mark. 
I look up to you. I'll tell you what I did. I did one day without my cell phone. I did one day the other day without my cell phone. On purpose? Yep. I said, I'm getting off the grid. I don't want to look at it. I have a feeling that that brings in depression in your life. Yes, I've been thinking it probably does. How'd it go? Uh, I felt fucking fantastic. Mm. But I tell you what, it is tough to watch a movie because (laughs) the whole time I'm like, what? What was he in? Who is that? Who is the guy that played Powder? What has he done since? I literally was like going like, who is that guy? What has he done? I know he's he's a great actor. He's got to be working. Who is he? And I was like, oh God, dear self, please remember to Google Powder at the end of this day. And I did. The next day, I I googled it, and he hasn't really done much. He he done more than I have, but so you felt better though, not having your phone, not I, checking. I thought stuff. about it a lot. It's like not snacking. Right. I thought about it a lot, and and I've been obsessed with Candy Crush pretty aggressively. And what level are you on? Uh, one seventy four, I think. Fuck. What level are you on? I'm somewhere in the one thirties. I'm oh, yeah. stuck on. 125? No, I finally got past it. 125 is a bitch. 125. I I was there for so long. I'm glad to hear you say that because I was there for three and a half weeks. Yeah. And then I, and Kaylin made a good point, which is that after you get past the end of a little chapter, they make it easier again so that you build it up. But I was so pissed. I beat 125, and then without losing a life, I got to like 132. I was pissed. Oh, uh, I want to run a train on a girl with the guy that does the voice from Candy Crush. Just so you can hear him go, fantastic, sweet, <laughs> delicious. I want to know. Now I really sugar want to know crush. what a sugar crush is. Sugar crush. Uh oh. Sugar crush. Uh, I yeah, I'm obsessed. But it was really healthy, and and I realized I need to do less with my phone. So you ready for what I did? I'm ready. I took the case off my phone. And now what? So now I'm afraid of breaking it, <laughs> so I don't take it out of my pocket that much. <laughs> I wish I could hear your laugh. Will you just cue your mic so I can hear you laugh? I love your fucking laugh. So I now I have it out of my case so that I don't take it out a lot because I don't want to break it. That's Priscilla. And so, and so that's how I'm trying to get off my phone. That's well, smart. Unfortunately, you know what that leads to? Just a broken phone. You drop it once, it breaks or scratches just a little bit, and you're like, well, fuck it. This thing's yeah. fucked already. Yeah. I got a new iPhone, and like six days in, my girlfriend was like, hey, look, at you already broke the screen. And I was like, I just ripped this. I ripped the case off and threw it in a trash can. I, oh, I was like fuck it! Like, what's the point now? I look at that. I look at the, my iPhone as just an invitation. Like, what it was was Twitter. Was Twitter was? That's what I was gonna say. Some guy sent me a message. I posted a podcast with Ari. Ari and I, you know, you guys know Ari, right? Yeah. Ari and I debated wholeheartedly, and I I implore you to go listen to this. Do not respond to me. I don't care to hear it. I've turned on my filter, everybody. I don't need to know what everyone thinks about me. I that was making me spiral. But I but I uh, but I, and I turn it off to just so I can see your tweets. If you tweet that Adam and I you bought both our books, I'll retweet you, follow you, and favor you. But um, uh, some guy, I, Ari and I were debating wholeheartedly. By the way, like I mean, fiercely debating. Had Barack Obama served one term or two? <laughs> I mean, and I'm not. I'm not even lightheartedly saying this. I had. I was. I mean, I was convinced. I mean, I'm convinced he'd serve one term. I was convinced, and I was mocking Ari. I was like, "You were." And Ari Wait, to was. To be fair, when was this? Yeah, uh, a week ago. Oh, so, not so fair. 
And so, and Ari was mocking me back, and we tried calling Tom Segura, and Tom didn't answer. And then finally, we Googled it, and I realized I was wrong. Now, I am the first one to make fun of me for that ridiculous fucking argument I got into Ari about. But some guy tweeted me, and he was like, just so you know, I saw your true colors. I saw your true character in that, and I will fucking... I that I I'm unsubscribing to your podcast and I want nothing to do with you and like I'm I'm making it worse than it was but he did say I saw his real character and I was like we gotta go we have a caller no I'm sorry I was trying to stealthily signal Allison something keep going oh, oh, I'm sorry okay. so uh, so I uh, so and I and I got upset about it and I got worried about it and I was like son of a bitch and then I was like this guy's a nobody he's probably a comedian this is what I told Jan Kirkman half of the trolls are just comedians who are having bad days that want to fuck your day up. Yeah. Like, I was thinking about starting a troll account just to, it's got to feel good. There's probably something that you want to tell him. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. <laughs> it's Sorry, a ringtone. that's a ringtone. That was the phone yeah. signal. Oh, really? It's a ringtone that we have available. Oh, that's great. You get that great. by searching, hey, go fuck yourself on your iPhone in the iTunes store. Speaking of, Gary, did you see that one of our... Longtime listeners who tweets JMOs quite frequently tweeted us. He's the one who wrote. So he sent it in just me or everyone and said that um, like he doesn't believe in censorship, but he thinks that people should police their own language. I wish I could say fuck less. It, well, so we kind of I, I haven't listened back. I don't remember what our reaction was exactly. It sort of had to do with the guest as well. But like the guest was kind of like, well, that is censorship then. And then we jokingly gave him a hey, go fuck yourself. Right. Which is something that. It's we've in, all it given be endearing. I mean, yes, we've used it on people we actually think are assholes, but we've also given it to ourselves and to each other. That right. that uh, that sound effect. But anyway, he was like really upset and he said that like he you know he's not going to listen anymore, and it really bummed me out. Not not the idea. It's because your inten- intention wasn't that right. Your intention was to ingratiate. It was not the idea that oh I've lost a listener that bothered me. Because if I'm going to let just that kind of thing bother me, then I'll be bothered all the time. But it was like, here's someone who misunderstood and was so bummed out. And did I do something wrong? And uh, or was I know. wrong? Was I wrong yeah. by doing that? Like, yeah, I've right. been there. Did I've we actually there. hurt his feelings? And you know, yeah. I don't know. I hope he comes back. I did tweet him and I said we were just joking and we love you and we love you just me or everyone because he sends in just me or everyone's a lot. Like I feel like in a weird way it like makes you feel like you have a relationship with a person like i know his twitter handle so well oh there are people on twitter that if they got mad at me i'd actually have my feelings hurt and go whoa 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 whoa, whoa. i enjoy your tweets like waterboxer like the at waterboxer oh, i think he writes us too yeah there's a, we share a lot of the same really insightful dudes like if i went through my timeline right now i would find some guys that i definitely fucking love reading their shit like oh chicago pete that's one of my buddies though i mean i feel like they're my buddies you know yeah um let's see if i see someone like right off the top, anything Death Squad is always good. Like, look at this. Daniel Saunders just bought my book, right? I mean, nice. we have people like that. B Slam and Zanera Park, um, yeah. Paris Paramus. I'm sure there's more, but like, yeah, it's and it's true. It's if you tweet back and forth with these people, it's like I have friends on Twitter I've never met, and there are people that I know that I've met in real life exclusively from Twitter. Yeah. 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 So it's sad when someone, but it's like obviously he was bummed out. I mean. He wasn't trying to be a dick or anything. He, he obviously he obviously was upset enough about it and felt There's a misunderstood. selfie happening. That's yeah. why I <laughs> stop talking. And I do the same. Fo- hey, everyone, tag that it looks like you put a dick in my mouth when I do a selfie. <laughs> 
Um, my daughter got a. The, I, I have to go at some point because I have a podcast at nine thirty that I'm late for. But I will tell you this because I thought you'd have an insightful thing on this. Oh. Georgia came up to me the other day and said, "Dad, oh, I shouldn't say this. Oh, you know what? I'm blocking her account anyway." She goes, "Dad, I want to get an Instagram." And she's nine, and I was like, well, "Baby, I don't know if you need an Instagram because there's not like you know." She goes, "Well, my friends are on Instagram, and they and they all her friends I chat to each other." And so I said, really? And she said, yeah. So she, I said, let me see your friend's Instagram. I pulled it up. It's just fun pictures of her and her sister and her and her friends. Nothing salacious, nothing bad. And I said, uh, I said, okay, let's get an Instagram. I said, give me your phone. So she brings over her phone and she hands it to me. She goes, what if I already have an Instagram? Am I in trouble? And I was like, you got an Instagram? She was like, yeah, all you had to do is put in my email address and a password. And it gave it to me. And I started up doing it. And I went, this is what I said. And I said this to my wife, and my wife's like, she just lives in a different generation than we do. But I said, I don't want her to define, and this is one of the things that's been keeping me like off edge a little bit. I don't want her to define, I don't want her to self-promote life mm. through an Instagram. Like, I don't put bad-looking pictures of myself up on Instagram. I only put pictures that would make you think that my life is better than you thought it was. Yeah, we all do. It's and and but that is this weird bullshit self promotion we do on Instagram or on Twitter. I post a picture of a great meal. I just post. I'll post a picture of me and you. You know what? Half the people will be like, "Oh, how cool he gets to hang out with Allison Rosen." Oh my God, is he in Corolla's studio? That's what the stu- like. And so like that's the way that the world is morphing. And I don't want her to. I don't want her to think of things. The first tweet I did after I got rid of my phone for the day, I tweeted the next day. The first tweet was, I had an absolutely fantastic day with my family without my phone. And then I wrote, the problem is I have no proof of it. And it's true. Like I look at things like, ooh, this is great. I need to tweet that. Oh, I want to post that on Instagram as opposed to just doing it and living it and loving it. And so I I don't want her to look at life that way like, oh, we should Instagram this. I want her to just live it like I did as a kid. I know, but I but I think it's so generational, and it's like the technology is so much a part of life that I just don't know. Even though I totally hear what you're saying, I don't know how much you can hold, how much you can prevent that from happening. And I almost wonder, like, to us, we're we remember before we had social media, so it's this like, oh, look at this new way that I'm curating a bullshit life. <laughs> <laughs> For them, I wonder if it's more seamless. Like, I wonder if it's just, it's just like, yeah, and then we put stuff on Instagram and then we tweet and then we, you know what I mean? Like, that is part of it. It's, that is living to them. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, for us, a, a, a good picture of us surfing or something was like, that went up on a mantle. Like, you had a great picture, and that, that went up on a wall or something, or you saved that into a collage. Now it's like um, these collages are on are online and 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 it's it is. What did you say? That was a really curate bright, a bullshit life. <laughs> curating a bullshit life. If I look at like if I look at Jesse Andrews and I'm using her as an example because she's a porn star I fo- star I follow. But I look at Jesse Andrews and I actually got a tad bit obsessed with her life and what she was doing. So I was like, God damn it, man. She is cool as fuck. She's 26. She's a porn star slash jewelry maker slash DJ. And she's traveling around the world, DJing, DJing amazing shows with late night picks with hot chicks and cool people at sunrise in fucking Belgium. And I'm like, God damn it, man. This girl's having it. What you don't see is the other side of being a porn star. Like if you think being a comedian is empty life, where you go, <laughs> right. where you go like, where you say like, 
uh, my where is my worth defined? By me getting people to laugh? By me telling stories on stage? It's kind of empty. Like, is that what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? Their worth is dis- defined by them f- getting fucked. Like, right. that is that has got... If I have questions on where my futures are going and, and my, my admiration of, say, Corolla and Rogan and what these guys are doing in their careers, imagine where they must lay if they have that self-insight. If they lay in bed and they're like, what? The fucking my, – my goal is Jenna Jameson? Like, mm-hmm. I don't – like, no, I'm not shitting on Jenna or Jesse or any porn star. I appreciate what you guys do and I don't judge. I'm just saying as an artist, where do you – where's where, – where's your floodwaters start? Right. Like, where do you start putting up the furniture where you're like, oh, fuck, I don't like the way this is turning out, you know? Right, right. That, I would love to talk to a porn star who's introspective, an introspective porn star. Right. You know, I, I like we're both making a face to suggest that somehow introspection and being a porn star can't go hand in hand. I don't think you can. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that porn stars aren't introspective, but I've met a bunch. I've met a whole lot because I used to do a, a comedy tour with Vivid Video, and I just didn't see a lot of self-reflection in the lifestyle. Right. A lot of the lifestyle is numbing. It's numbing. Yeah. It's, it's a, lot of, I... a lot of comedy lifestyle is numbing. You know, I only get these moments of like introspection like right now because I'm not drinking. So like I when I stop drinking I start going into myself and I'm like like and 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 I don't want to fucking take away the the allure of if you are a fan of mine of of if you are a fan of mine hopefully you understand my introspection but like am am I am I the persona that I have created the public persona that I have created and is that is that me is am I, I I'm so adamant on being the guy who is the same on stage and off stage but if if the guy on stage is overtaking the guy off stage and I need to level the playing ground. Where does that lie? Like what, you know, like it's, uh, I'm the guy that when a shot comes to stage and everyone starts chanting, do it. I do it. Well, am I that guy? Yeah. Like, do I, am, am I that guy? Like, I don't know. And, but this introspection comes when I stop, when I, when everything slows down and I start breathing and I go, okay, we got a book to promote, new season of Trip Flip starts in April, I got this to do, I got that to do, and I'm like, motherfucker, I have a lot of work, work on my plate. And then I start going, fuck, like, this book's pretty vulnerable, man. I'm not comfortable with this sober. I'm not comfortable with this vulnerability. If putting it out there and going, this is it, guys, like it or don't, like, that, you know, like, that's where I'm at. And, and then Trip Flip, I'll proud, I'll, I'll stand up for everyone, I'll, I'll support it. But, like, it, it comes with... That so sobering introspection, and I'm sure there are porn stars that have gotten sober. I bet there's, I bet there's got to be insightful porn stars. There's got to be. Right. I bet they'd stop doing porn. They, I think you'd have to. It I, seems that way. That would be my. I can't be imagine. My feeling about it. All right. If you're an insightful porn star and you'd like to do my show, let me know. Well, it has been delightful having you on. This is, I think, officially the longest show we've ever done. Well, I apologize. And no, thank no, you. no. Thank you for being on the show. Hey, guys, if you learned nothing, just pre-order my book. Now, look, I'm back to the shameless horror <laughs> profiter. Look, and I, I swear to God, I am very proud of this book. And it is vulnerable, and it is out there, and it is funny as shit. It's called Life of the Party. It is at, You can get it at BertBertBert.com. Get it at Amazon. Get it at Barnes & Noble. Go through Allison's website. Right. Go to AllisonRosen.com. Click on the Amazon banner and help out the show and help out Bert. Um, pre-order mine and Adam's and send it to me, and you will get a retweet, I promise. And if people want to find you on Twitter, you're at Burt Kreischer. At Burt Kreischer. K-R-E-I-S-B-E-R-T-K-R-E-I-S-C-H-E-R. If you go to BurtBurtBurt.com, you can find everything. And i got to tell you this, guys. I feel like 
I know you because you've listened to this. So I love you. If you told me you heard me on Allison's podcast and you're at one of my shows, come up to me after. You don't have to do it and scream it in the show. Just come up to me after and go, hey, man, that conversation you had with Allison was really fucking awesome. I guarantee you I buy you a beer. We sit and have a beer. And, uh, and, and I believe that that's the community that we're all a part of in a weird way. I love that. I love it too. To let me know. Let me know who comes up and let me know how that goes. Um, and uh, thank you guys so much for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. You can follow Gary at G. Patrick Smith. You can follow the show's Twitter feed at ARIWAMBF. We do have that amazing ringtone, which you heard before. Go fuck hey, yourself. Hey, hey, go fuck yourself. That's right. You need how about this. you need one that goes, and you're a cunt. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that that one's coming next. Um, you can get that by searching, hey, go fuck yourself on your iPhone. It should be he- like, you can ask my mom, you're a cunt. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Wait, do that again. You can ask my mom, you're a cunt. Love it. I like it. It's nice. Uh, we have a special, a special bonus episode available which we recorded live at the la podcast festival with the aforementioned doug benson and so musician matt costa yeah he's great check out doug's podcast getting doug with high it is my favorite podcast out there it is so fucking good and if you are not listening to it you are missing out on a beautiful fucking thing that will i'm sure get shut down at some point and then when you need more doug or even before just to wet your doug appetite Buy the bonus episode that we recorded live at LA Podcast Festival. It's only a dollar ninety nine. Oh, you yeah. can get that by going to the comedy album section of the iTunes store. Um, it was me, Doug, uh, Matt Costa, Gary, Chris, Matt, um, and Genesis of all sorts of things that you've heard us discuss on this show. It's all started on that podcast, so you should listen to that. Uh is there anything? Am I missing anything, Gary? I, or is you, that it? I think pre-order my book. And pre-order your book. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for doing the show. Uh, thank you guys for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show?
This is Corolla Digital. Thanks for listening to the show, everyone. Just as a reminder, this episode is brought to you by Nono. To get your Nono and take advantage of the exclusive offer for my listeners, go to nonobestfriend.com or call 800-508-4815. That's nonobestfriend.com or call 800-508-4815. Now that the show's over, remember to go to naturebox.com and order great-tasting, healthy snacks at 50% off. Forget the vending machine and get in shape for summer with healthy, delicious treats like barbecue kettle kernels. Support this podcast and get 50% off your first order. Go to naturebox.com slash Allison. That's naturebox.com slash Allison.